Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Probably a good day that we are not out at Colts camp. It's a little bit of a wet start to this Monday. Good Monday morning to you. Kevin Aquari here. On August 7th, we'll be out there Tuesday and Thursday this week. And I think I mentioned it late last week, but Jake, I would say this is the second week. Granted, it's a large gap from one to two on that list, but probably the second biggest racing week of the year in the Circle City, right? Uh, it's pretty busy, yep, because you've got activity on Friday. Saturday, of course, is the IndyCar Gallagher Grand Prix and the Xfinity Pennzoil 150, then the Brickyard on Sunday. So three straight days, and things pick up for sure. Um, Beyond the Bricks, by the way, will air beginning tonight at 8 o'clock with Mike Thompson. So we will take a look back at the historic nature of not only the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but Stock Car as well. That begins tonight at 8 o'clock and will happen all week. So it is a busy week for certain. Definitely one of those where, and then of course, most importantly, um, as you guys are well aware, uh, I'm off Thursday. So. Oh yeah, you're uh, Wrigley bound, right? Springsteen. I, Springsteen Wednesday night. So uh, went ahead and took one of our comp days for Thursday. I'm sure Regent Brian is thrilled to know that. How in the world do I take a day off? By the way, tomorrow I forgot to mention to you guys, Rick Venturi is going to join us live at camp. Awesome. Thanks. So uh, he's going to join us. I think 8:30 again. A 9 a.m. practice start time for the Colts. On Tuesday, Mark and I will be out there on Thursday morning. Is it 10 on Thursday, Mark? Practice? Yeah. I'll have to look that up. I feel like they had one 10 a.m. or left, but we only actually have three shows left from Grand Park. There's only five practices left from Grand Park. Uh, Certainly yesterday, the highlight was number five. So we will chat about Anthony Richardson and a whole lot in unpacking Colts Camp and Jake uh, Nashville, right, for the IndyCar Yeah, Nashville was interesting because Saturday, it was rainy in the morning. They decided they wanted to do a completely dry track for qualifying, so they delayed qualifying until 6 o'clock at night. Um, So a long gap there, but then came back and raced on Sunday. Pretty good race, although it was one of those, I think Nashville is such a, a technical track that at the end of the race, that's when just kind of attrition and fatigue with that heat kicked in and you had some accidents but uh in the end kyle kirkwood getting his second career win on a street course so he has now won i think nick yeoman said it best the two biggest party circuits long <laughs> beach and nashville like, let's go right not a bad uh obviously a great race for kyle kirkwood making his way up not like he qualified on the first you know row for or second row there and alex below continues to pad a probably it's fair to say an insurmountable championship lead with four races to go gonna be tough for him to not win the championship that is for certain you guys have a good weekend mark i know you said you spent a little bit on the golf course yeah it was my uh mom's birthday on saturday so we're up in town there for that and then sunday was my uncle's annual golf outing that we've gone to for i mean i've gone to for about like 15 years now and stuff but all the my dad brothers cousins uncles all get together and it's just a good time all the guys get to go out leave the wives and ladies in home so good time 
good time all around. Would you go out hunting or something? No, golf go, outing. I just oh, said golf outing. I said golf outing. We didn't go hunting. There well, were I mean, mushrooms. I'm just saying, like it's you know, like like stop at the what gentleman's club yeah. after yeah. the after I mean, the round of golf, or maybe the gentleman's club came to the golf course. They were one of the sponsors there. That that's for sure. Shout out to Club Three Ninety. How, how did you shoot? Uh, like garbage, as I expected. I, I played nine holes all year, so not great. But it's not about how you play. It's how you celebrate. At and then when they say open bar, you okay. celebrate. Yeah. You won off the course, uh-huh. which is all that matters. Yes. Jake, I heard you ran into my brother-in-law. I did. Um, that was on Friday night. And I was confused. I felt bad, actually. Um I didn't, you know, it's one of those things. Do you ever have this happen, Kevin, where you meet somebody and then after the fact you're like, oh gosh, I should have said such and such. Oh, thousands. So I felt bad. Yeah. Um, that would have been Teresa Lubber's nephew. Is that right? Uh, correct. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So walking into the Bulldog on Friday night. So open disclaimer for those that are unaware. Um, I, I mean, I think most people know this. I was not actually in Nashville. I, I called the race from here. Uh, we split the travel, and so for this one, it was my turn to, to come back here and do it off of monitors. So I was actually here in Indianapolis for the whole weekend. But Friday night, we went to dinner and walking in, and your uh, brother-in-law was with his, well, be your nephew, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he said the rest of the family had gone to Kings Island, and then it dawned on me, I met his, it would be his brother at the gym, right? Yes. Yeah, so two brother-in-laws on that right. side of the family. Yeah, Matt and Ross, and you met Matt, right? Uh, yeah, nice guy. I was walking in, he's like, hey. And so I introduced him to Shannon, and we said hi, and he said they were the rest of the fan was at King's Island. I'm like, man, I'd, I would have been at King's Island. Does that sound like the ideal final day of summer sort of activity Running to do? into me? I think for almost any Well, day. probably not that. Ben Lubber's third birthday, quite the way <laughs> to ring in his third birthday this, this weekend. But I remember we did a final, before all of us went to college, because several of our friends went to different colleges. It's not like we all went to IU. We did a holiday world. Right before you know, I've we all never left been to, to Holiday college. World, and I hear it's awesome. Oh, it's awesome! I mean, obviously, insert the free sunscreen and soft drink. Is it common here? But let me. It was a great time. Is Holiday World the size of Kings Island? She stopped at a gentleman's club in Louisville on the way back. You just have to be eighteen or older. Wow! In the state of Kentucky. You should see the crowd there at about a 3.30 on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon if you really want to people watch. Um, say that again, Jake. Sorry, you compared Does, it to Kings Island. Is it the size of Kings Island? Uh, I would say, uh, boy, I haven't been to Kings Island in years. I would say a little smaller would be my guess. I mean, you certainly have some roller coasters, but the primary, I would say the big reason to go to Holiday World is for Splash and Safari and their water park. So I loved going to Kings Island all through childhood, high school years, even in college. A couple of us went one year in college. And I would love to go back. I have not been back to Kings Island. Obviously, I don't have kids, so I haven't had like really reason to go back other than for myself, which I would enjoy doing. But I think we've talked about this before on the show. I didn't realize this until I was in Edmonton a couple of years ago. And in the in Edmonton, they have the world's largest mall, and so there isn't much else to do in Edmonton. So I went to the mall, and I had a roller coaster in the mall, and I rode the roller coaster. I did not realize this, guys, but it is true. Like The older that you get, has something to do with your body's like balance. Roller coasters not the same as when you were like ten. I mean, it's like it is a doozy, man. I, I don't know that I would enjoy Kings Island like I. And you also feel like every single knock. But I feel like I saw a headline over the weekend. Maybe it was Cedar Point. Maybe it was Kings Island that someone got stuck on a roller coaster and I, had to walk. I saw that. Down. I saw that there was a. 
And I don't know how recent that was, but it was one of those like it sounds beyond frightening to social me. media f- things that comes across like an article. I didn't click on it, but yes, yeah, that's happened before where you see the clips of people having to walk down. But I would love to go to Kings Island just for the nostalgic nature. Um, we went to the Bulldog on Friday, had dinner there, and then on Saturday night qualifying again got delayed several times it didn't end until like 7 40 so yeah, i actually watched a little bit of it um shannon and i met downtown and went to and i'm embarrassed to say i had not been before but went to the garage at bottle works really yeah that um, surprises me you haven't been there before I, I know i've been through it i mean i've, I've walked I mean, past like it seven minutes from here but Home. yeah, yeah, and and it was cool. It was great. Yeah, that's a great spot. Yeah, Maddie um, used to work r- right there, and I got a lobster roll. We go there. Uh, Maddie's a big fan of the uh, lobster roll there. We go there probably, I don't know, tw- twice a month, something like that. So, great location. Um, yeah, I was out of Colts camp, and I thought yesterday was probably the best temperature <laughs> we've had. I mean, it was one of those days where I felt like it was just misting all morning, and then for the most part, it subsided for the afternoon practice. It was kind of weird to be out there and think, wow, this is the only afternoon practice the Colts have of training camp. I mean, 13 practices, uh, most of them are in the morning, and then when we get into next week, the Bears will be in town for joint practices on uh, Wednesday and uh, and Thursday, so... Uh, it's a uh, it's a game week. It's crazy to think Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, I should say, in Buffalo for the preseason opener. We're going to get more into this over the course of the morning, but I am curious from this standpoint, Kevin. In the in the if you were to go back and look at the camps that you've worked, I mean, obviously Andrew Luck, Matt Ryan, you know, I, I guess Sam Ellinger. Even though we probably didn't realize that you were looking at Sam Ellinger, um, or you know that that's what you should be looking for. Uh, Carson Wentz, now Anthony Richardson. You know, different quarterbacks when they come in, is their body of work or evidence enough to show that when a guy has a really good day that that is indicative of a permanent movement in the right direction? Or for the most part, regardless of level of experience on a quarterback, do guys have outstanding days followed by mediocre days followed by you know what I mean which is the norm yeah I mean when you said kind of the singular when a guy has a great day I think the question then becomes okay when does it move on to plural when does it move on to days and that's the thing I thought with Richardson yesterday in particular it was the first time all camp that I felt like you kind of walk away from practice and think okay that was a couple good days in a row from him and I think that becomes the question of for anybody that goes out there to Grand Park, even if you just watch him for one day and it's one of his poor days, you'll walk off that practice field and you'll want to call your buddies and talk about one or two plays that he made. But it's, maybe it's not the overall day that you're really blown away by, but there is kind of that highlight reel nature to it. Again, I thought yesterday, especially with the starters, because he wasn't with the starters on Saturday, he was yesterday afternoon, I thought it was his best day in that setting, in that first-team offense setting. And I think there are some specific reasons why. We'll, we'll certainly get into those. I mean, Jake, two practices until Saturday afternoon. I mean, it's Tuesday and it's Thursday this week. He just came off, I think, his best back-to-back practice performance of camp. The fact that Shane Steichen throughout the quote of, you know, I thought Anthony had a heck of a day. I don't think Shane just says that to say it. I mean, don't you think he's the starter on Saturday afternoon? Uh, yeah, one would assume, right? I, it doesn't doesn't it feel like Kevin anything shy of him 
looking like late play Jamarcus Russell, he is going to be handed the keys and given every opportunity? I would think so. I mean, again, I don't I don't know if I'm ready to call it a slam slam dunk, but you know we know Shane Sykin and Jim Mercer in particular have been pretty public in wanting and knowing that these guys, or I should say this guy in Richardson, needs to play early. Young guys, I guess, in general, need to play early. Uh, but I thought, again, a, a really, really strong afternoon from him. And now the question becomes, as you start to inch closer, I mean, yesterday was five weeks from the season opener. Um, what does it look like the rest of the month of August? Obviously, how do the joint practices go? Because I, I think something that Chris Bauer has pointed out is, you know, truer evaluations come in the preseason games. When the Bears come to town next week, you know, they go to Philly here in a couple weeks for a single joint practice. That's when you get a little bit of a clearer picture. So... We'll certainly touch on all of that. I think the news continues to be very positive on the Shaquille Leonard front. Uh, The Colts did sign a, I would say, a notable veteran running back over the weekend. Curious what that possibly means for the Jonathan Taylor saga. Continuing to be where it's at now, eight practices into camp. Joel Erickson's going to join us at 9. And Jake, we'll talk a little conference realignment coming up at 9.30 with... Mike DeCourcy, because right after the show ended on Friday, uh, it seemed like in the 9 o'clock hour when we were doing the show, it was like, wait, are Oregon and Washington going to stay in the Pac-12? And then all of a sudden, um, the Big Ten is able to nab them, and the Pac-12 is all but extinct. I thought Kyle Robbins had the tweet of the weekend. Who I, I think Kyle does some writing for some websites, but I always love it when a guy with, you know, I, that came off the wrong way. When somebody who's not a huge household name has a tweet that that gets two million, you know, interactions, but he had a great tweet because everybody was talking about like how are they going to do this with the Big Ten? It's too, there's too many teams now. <laughs> I don't know if you saw Kyle Robbins' tweet, but it said, "Follow me here. You break the conference into two divisions: the Big Division and the Pac Division. The winners of each division play the conference championship in the Rose Bowl." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yep. Kyle now, there's was a great golfer back in high school. There's Kevin. There's going to have to be two more, right? Aren't they at eighteen now? And, and do you say two more Western teams or two more teams? Just two period? more teams, right? You got to get two more. One would think they're not done, and I'm telling you, I've been saying forever. If you if you go back. I mean, this was like 70% prognostication and 30% what somebody who absolutely would know had been telling me, as I'd mentioned, but that the Big Ten was going to try to get either the two Arizonas or Oregon and Washington, with Oregon and Washington being their priority. And then once that happened, they were going to try to link Stanford with either Notre Dame or Cal. Stanford and Cal are the two that, to me, where are they going to go? Because I realize the Mountain West is the one that's being rumored for Oregon State, Stanford, Cal. Who's the other one that's that's left in the cold? Washington State. Washington State. And the Mountain West is the conference that apparently they've been discussing. But And I, I mean this as no disrespect to the academic institutions in the Mountain West. Yeah, Boise State and Stanford really on the same. Yeah, I mean, for Stanford and Cal, I mean, you're talking about. So this is not meant as a disrespect to the Mountain West, but rather to illuminate the elite nature of those two schools. Stanford and Cal are two of the most prestigious academic institutions in the United States, and 
I do think that while 99.99999 with a little bar over the nine percent of all of this is money driven, there is there are a handful of schools, and Stanford and Cal would be two of them, that the academic alignment is of importance. So whether that means Notre Dame and North Carolina would go to the Big Ten because they want them academically, but I would think Stanford is very interested because Stanford would rather be aligning itself with Michigan, UCLA, Northwestern than it would San Jose State, Boise State, and UNLV. You know, the few quick thoughts I had on Friday afternoon, Jake, when this news came out, one, I never want to hear a university president ever talk, particularly in the Big Ten, talk about how much they care about student-athletes and their well-being. Right. And the travel of the NCAA tournament. and We can't have a college football playoff because there's too much travel. And then second, I'm very worried about the future of March Madness as we know it. You know, if you are these mega leagues, at some point, you're going to want more of your own in there. And if you're able to say... Why do we need the winner of the SWAC to go into yeah. the NCAA tournament? Why not draw a Alabama or the eighth team in the SEC or the 11th team in the Big Ten, which we know is going to draw a better TV audience than a 15 seed into the tournament? Um, I don't know if we're there in the next couple of years. And obviously, CBS, you know, host, you know, holds those rights. And CBS is not Fox, which pretty much runs the Big Ten, and ESPN, which pretty much runs the SEC at this point. But that's a real question that I have. And then lastly, and you can insert your jokes here, particularly about Indiana football. You know, Purdue football would be, I, I would say, a higher rung up on the ladder, but let's not act like they're too, too high on the ladder. But Jake, how was Friday a good day at all for Indiana Purdue football? I mean, you just moved further down yeah. the Big Ten Especially, pecking order. I, I mean, I've seen people say, Kevin, I don't think it's going to be the case, but I have seen people say, like, at what point do Purdue – and Minnesota, and, you know, at what point do they become in danger? I mean, if the Big Ten gets to the point where they're like, wait a minute, you know, we can get in North Carolina, Florida State, you know what, I mean, I'm just throwing out names, out of, you know, Texas, but we've got to boot three out. I, I don't know. Yeah, right? at the old Oaken Bucket Luncheon each fall, I don't think Indiana Purdue fans come together and they celebrate how much money they're making off of the TV contract in the Big Ten. They'd rather celebrate the success on field of their respective football programs. And again, you can insert your jokes here about that, but in no way, shape, or form does adding Oregon or Washington help you try and move whatever higher in the Big Ten or you know, be on better ground in a conference that obviously is loaded. And the addition of Oregon and Washington, you would think, would just add to that and push Purdue and Indiana further down the rung. So Mike DeCourcy from Sporting News, Big Ten Network, he's going to join us coming up at 9.30. By the way, a lot of discussion. I'll simply say this. The U.S. women's national team put themselves in position of becoming pretty polarizing. But it is interesting to me that people who – uh, I'm always fascinated by sports hypocrisy, which sports is full of hypocrisy, don't get me wrong. But um, if I get this right, and, and if, please forgive me because, you know, I'm almost 51 and, and I didn't stay at a Holiday Express last night. So if, I, if I'm right about this, I, th- I think I'm right. The people who grew a dis... The people who, who had an increasing lack of support for the U.S. women's national team because they felt like the U.S. women's national team wasn't patriotic enough. 
are now relieved and or celebrating the fact that the U.S. women's national team that represents the United States was eliminated from a soccer tournament because they don't love America enough. Is that right? Did I get that right? So people were glad to see the Americans lose because it was Americans that don't like America. Well, there's probably a couple more layers to that story. Uh, probably for a different talk show on that end. Uh, I was actually up. Rosie did not sleep. Maybe she was so excited for Ben Lover's third birthday, which um, you gave him a birthday wish, it sounded like, on Friday. Uh, she was up early on Sunday, so we actually watched the final, What I think all of overtime, whatever overtime is, 30 minutes extra time, would be probably the better way to describe it. We watched the penalty kicks. Yeah, I, I don't know the amount of patriotism. I don't know you know where you were supposed to cheer. All I know is Megan Rapino choked, and then the girl after her choked, Sophie Smith. I mean, both of them like missed the goal. And, and, and in people's defense, those two, especially Megan Rapino, she has put herself in position to be scrutinized. Like She kicked it to Antarctica. It was a great penalty kick shootout until that until that point. Both the U.S. and Sweden, both teams. It was pretty impressive watching. There was one one woman for the U.S. came off the bench, first hadn't even touched the ball in the World Cup yet, and just buried her penalty kick. But uh, yeah, the U.S. women lose nil nil, and then lose in penalty kicks to Sweden. First time in World Cup history. This is the ninth ever World Cup that the U.S. will finish worse than third i guess technically they bowed out in the sweet 16 so uh, quite the finish there for them that was um that was quite twitter though twitter was up and fiery on sunday that's morning what i mean that. and like people were i was like oh okay i, I mean you think if rapino wouldn't have been the one to miss the penalty kick it would have been that that did not help the cause did not help the cause mark congrats on your cubs oh well, thank you, Kevin, and congrats to your Reds. I'm sure I didn't see, but I'm assuming assuming they won a few games this weekend. Mm-hmm. Boy, right? A lot of maturity right there from Mark Dykedom. What do you mean? As he's scrambling to find. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? Well, where are you going to go? Oh, I just saw they they've lost six in a row. Oh, you know when I hear that, where are you where are you going to go? Audio it makes me think of the four remaining schools in the Pac-12. <laughs> That's right. It's true. I mean, the one that you've – where is Oregon State going to go? Uh, or w- w- Between Oregon State and Washington State, which one has more cachet? Oh, my gosh. Neither. I mean, that – Corvallis and Pullman. I, I don't know if that's appointment uh, visiting. Yeah, I mean, you got to go to the Mountain West, right? It's just I, – I, maybe I'm nostalgia, Jake, to the nth degree, but it's just a bummer the Pac-12's gone. I feel really bad for Ashley Adamson. I feel bad for Bill Walton. And Bill Walton. Ashley Adamson, who is just just one of those people that instantly when you meet them, you're like, you feel like you grew up with them just as, as nice as can be, as friendly as can be. Obviously very good at what she does. Worked at Channel 8 as a sports anchor reporter and then left Channel 8 to go to the Pac-12 network. She's a native of the West Coast. Actually, she's a native of Denver, I believe. But Let's talk um, to be kind of the Dave Revson of the Pac-12 network. Yeah, and great opportunity great job and then at the fault of no one's it falls victim to a conference that just kind of was asleep at the wheel i mean as the rest of you know it was like all of the conferences were standing outside of a bar at two in the morning and when uber first came about and were getting ubers to go home and the pac-12 was like i'm still waiting on a yellow cab and it's like uh, okay I, I mean this is the new thing is uber Nah, I mean, I'm not going to download something on my phone. 
I'm just going to call uh, the bartender called me a yellow cab. And then all of a sudden they were standing around and everybody else had made it home. And they're like, well, what happened? Yeah, it seems like ESPN's backing of the SEC network. Fox is backing of the Big Ten network. Really helped carry, continue to carry those conferences. And obviously they have respective brands in the Big Ten and the SEC that I do think are a little bit different than the Pac-12. But once USC and UCLA saw the writing on the wall and they made their exit, it almost seemed inevitable. For the Pac-12, so you look at the Big 12 right now, and that I would think is kind of third on the on the ladder, if you will, and we'll see what happens with the ACC. Speaking of the Big 12, Tyrese Halliburton, an Iowa State product, a Team USA for the World Cup. There, that would be the basketball version of it. They've got their first uh, international scrimmage tonight, or I guess exhibition game, Puerto Rico. At 10 o'clock, so it sounds like Halliburton maybe might not start for Team USA, coached by Steve Kerr. Uh, Jalen Brunson, um, I saw was their starter at point guard here in the their early um, behind-the-scenes games, but we'll see how that unfolds as the World Championships get underway for Team USA coming up uh, here in the next couple of weeks. One and a half games, right, Mark? Reds and Cubs both behind the Brewers now? Uh-huh. Reds uh, all of a sudden in the middle of the pack. Of the have session. the Cubs six straight? That's their t- is their longest losing streak of the season. For have Reds. the Cubs like figured something out or made a change, or are they just on a hot streak? I don't know. I, I don't know if it has anything to do with the Jamar Candelario, you know, trade. But their bats are hot right now. The pitching has been pretty decent, and yeah, they're just putting up a ton of runs. All of a you sudden, you check the AL East. The AL East, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, who's the top? Oh, your birds. Your birds are flying high at 70 and 42. Second best record in baseball, baby. Cute fella. is like, who's laughing now? Right? Yeah. The rate, the, the AL East, who would have ever thought? If you look at cute fella, he, like the way he's looking with his eyes, he's got this look like, uh-huh. who I told mean, you so? The Yankees and Red Sox are at the bottom of the AL East. When's the last time that happened? That division's wild. Beautiful. And I, I will say this as much as I regret saying it. After the shutout on Friday night, Mark, I thought, okay, here comes the brooms against the Cubs with the Braves in town. But a couple of nice wins for the Cubs on Saturday and Sunday. I've got a and six-pack of PBR coming because of that. Guy uh, bet me on Twitter. He's like, hey, you want to you wanna put a bet down on my Braves versus your Cubs? I'm like, I don't wow. feel overly confident, but sure. You're going to be racking in the beer here. I know. <laughs> Uh, we will see wild card wise though, because if you look at it right now, again one and a half up the Brewers, the Reds and the Cubs right now thrown into that wild card picture. If you look at the final wild card spot here, and again, obviously we've got almost two months to go in the regular season, it's going to be quite the jumbled mess to watch throughout the rest of August and into September as well. Congrats so. on your A's, by the way, first to eighty losses. Oh, they won yesterday. Yeah, no, but they're, we, they're, we just talk in the present. But they're at 80 losses. Though. You're only as good as what one you did yesterday. One game win streak, Mark. One right. game win streak. Mm-hmm. Time to get hot right now. For <laughs> More the of a win streak than the Reds have had. A good Monday morning to you. Again, a little overcast. Um, certainly, you're going to see a little wetness on the pavement. Sounded like some rain overnight, potentially some today. We'll be back out at Colts practice coming up Tuesday and Thursday. And a lot to unpack from a couple of practices over the weekend for Shane Steichen's. Colts. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton with us as well from the DriveHubler.com studio. You're listening to Kevin Quarry on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. The Reds stink. Six in a row they've lost. Go ahead, Mark. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? 
That was better than the cigars I had yesterday. That exhale from you is about all I need to just go throw up on the back. What kind of cigar do you have? Break. Well, we had a few of them. I don't know. They're hand them out. I'm, I'm not going to turn down any free cigars. There's some Maduros. There was some Tony well, Maduro, Katz and Mark. Maduro's not a brand. I know. I'm saying the kind they were. I do you know what a Maduro is? What is it? Uh-huh. Do you know how they get no. a Maduro? No. A Maduro actually is a natural Connecticut shade leaf wrapper, but they mix in a natural molasses-type syrup in order to give it the darker look. So even though it has a more intimidating look because it's a darker-looking and richer-looking cigar, it usually has a sweeter burn because of the syrup there within. <laughs> a lot of, like lot of experience from the cigar store. That would be when I would say, Manager. shut up and give me the lighter. Jay <laughs> Anything else you'd like to know? Uh, the Brewers up a game and a half on the Cubs and the Reds. And again, six in a row for the Reds. Cubs, they do beat the Braves in that series two games out of three. Indianapolis Indians back at home. They've got Nashville at home all week long. Uh, the only day game, though, coming up on Sunday. Do you guys well, where are you going to go? It's the, the, the fact that you have access to that kind of just mm-hmm. instantaneous information. Yeah. Like, okay. Let's tee off and get out of here. My my, com- my email has completely shut down, so I have no way of seeing anything on the check down. Wouldn't be a Monday without Jake having technical no, difficulties. I, now every yeah, time I it's not working. You guys hey, Monday, Mark. What about the other days of the week? But but listen, you guys always say that, and then guess what ends up happening? Then you're like, oh, you know what? It looks like he's right. My email works just fine. I, I'm not saying yours doesn't. Outstanding here. Uh, Jake, let us know what happened in Nashville, because that's off the top of your head. Thank you. Uh, yesterday in Nashville in the Grand Prix, Music City Grand Prix, Pole sitter was Scott McLaughlin, and Scott McLaughlin was running really well, but kind of got hung out a little bit on a pit stop that a caution had come out, and as a result of that, uh, lead ended up shuffling to Kyle Kirkwood. Big story late in the race was Alex Pillow probably was in a situation, did a pit sequencing, where he was going to have to come in and make a late fuel stop, which would have allowed Joseph Newgarden, who was running one spot behind him and is trying to accumulate as many points as possible over Pillow because of the points championship. Um, Newgarden was really hoping Pillow was going to have to pit. Then there was an accident late in the race. They red flagged the last few laps. That allowed Pillow to conserve fuel for a couple of laps before they went green, and Pillow was able to hold off and finish one spot ahead of Joseph Newgarden. So he has an 84-point lead heading into the race this weekend, which is going to be Saturday at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and Kyle Kirkwood gets his second career win and second win of the year. A couple of other notes from the weekend. Megan Rapino, Sophia Smith, both in the penalty shootout, kicked a couple balls to Antarctica as the U.S. was looking to advance over Sweden. They do not. It was certainly quite the uh, scene there in the final penalty shootout that Sweden converted to advance. Um, so the U.S., for the first time in World Cup history, they don't even make the final four. They had made the final four and the previous eights. They bow out in the final 16. The Fever lost a couple of games over the weekend. And on the Colts front, we will recap a whole lot from their days. Up at Grand Park from the weekend. This week, though, just Tuesday and Thursday morning sessions before they head to Buffalo coming up this weekend for the preseason opener and this from darnell congrats to the indy edge and the indy thunder the indy edge finishing first in the beatball tournament down in oklahoma over the weekend uh so indy edge first indy thunder third so right there you've got the top team and the third best team in the world of beat baseball residing right here in indianapolis shout out to both of those teams all right we'll hit a lot of colts coming up here on the other side and in the eight o'clock hour joel a erickson from the star uh at nine o'clock 17 minutes before life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider key 
Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The hour of eight o'clock. Good morning to you on a Monday. My name is Jay Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. And it is a weekend, or was a weekend, I should say, of good production for the Colts rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson as we take a look at uh, Colts camp. A reminder, by the way, if you're going to go up to Westfield for Colts camp, um, they're not open today, but. The rest of the week, and we'll be talking plenty about this. Quack Daddy Donuts, our buddies up there in Westfield. Fresh made-to-order cake donuts just three miles south of Colts Camp. You can order in advance, quackdaddydonuts.com, and we'll get you kind of up to speed on everything they have in terms of their variety of donuts. I mean, you you name it in terms of combinations that you want on a donut, they have it. Right uh, there off Spring Mill. Fabulous, right off Spring Mill, and let me tell you something, those things... Coffee as well. I mean, that's the other great thing about it, whether it's... Donuts are an all-day-long delicacy, though. Not just a breakfast food, right? You don't have to tell me twice. (laughs) So, uh, Quack Daddy Donuts. Always keep them in mind if you are going up to Colts Camp or if you just happen to be on the north side in general and want to treat yourself and the kids. QuackDaddyDonuts.com, where you can do it in advance. We'll also get you... Um, some code words you can use over the course of the next couple of weeks for discounts on a dozen donuts and more from Quack Daddy Donuts. You had mentioned, Kevin, that Anthony Richardson may be like a step forward. I, I guess the the question remains whether that's a permanent step, but uh, Shane Steichen, I think, was had high praise for him as well, right? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that, that it was a step forward from him, and you know, Saturday, he gets the second team reps last night, or I should say yesterday afternoon, he takes all 22 starting reps. And I guess a couple things stood out for me in particular about yesterday. One, I think we've yet to see him kind of have multiple big plays when he's been the starter in these 11-on-11 periods. And I thought he had arguably his best throw of camp to Alec Pierce for a touchdown kind of in the midway point of practice yesterday. And then I thought the thing that really stood out was the end to practice. And to me, 
these sorts of things, they end up being the separators in, in quarterbacks. I mean, you can go out there and you can watch. I mean, hell, Sam Ellinger had days in practice where he'd go 9 of 12 and you'd be like, oh, man, you know, boy, Ellinger was you know, great, great rhythm there and had the offense, you know, moving down the field, et cetera, et cetera. But so much of the NFL, particularly quarterback play, you get evaluated on, on the situations. How do you perform in the red zone? How do you perform in two minutes? How do you perform in the fourth quarter? That's what separates these guys. So Shane Sykin yesterday ends practice with a situation where he put the starters with Richardson against the first team defense. And I think he had, I want to say he had 46 seconds on the clock, put them just outside the red zone, one timeout, and said, you've got to score a touchdown and you've got to get the two-point conversion. So you were down eight for the starting offense. Uh, first play was a run. Second play, Richardson, corner route to Kylan Granson for a touchdown. Just a perfectly thrown ball to Granson for the score. And then they did the two-point conversion. Richardson ran that in. So 46 seconds, one timeout, down eight. It took three plays, and that includes a two-point conversion to get the eight points. Minshew goes up with the second-team unit, moves it down the field. They get in position to score. Minshew's got to force it because they're down eight, throws a pick to EJ Speed. It's kind of those moments where you create a situation. The offense, I would say, is at a bit of a disadvantage in that situation considering the time on the clock, and they have to score eight points. And you saw it with his arm, and you saw it with his legs. And that's not something that you just saw a ton of on film at Florida. Probably more quantity than anything. He only played 13 games. But those are the things, Jake, that I think he will eventually be evaluated on and will eventually be the separator. The Colts have been an awful red zone team here recently. And I think the quarterback play has something to do with that. And that that can be a huge separator. You can move the ball up and down the field all game long. But if you don't convert in that area of the field, it's going to be costly in a league that the games are so competitive. Um, so I thought that's what stood out to me about Richardson yesterday is he had a nice day throwing it, a couple of big plays down the field. But when they got in the kind of that situational moment, we've usually seen his unit not produce and they produced yesterday. So I'll be the cynic in, in the room here. Okay. Um, Look, beats the alternative. I totally get it. But how much of a camp practice against the other team with fans in the in the bleachers cheering them on translates to the pressure of two minute drive in Arrowhead, crowd going nuts? Sure, but obviously it's August sixth. You know, he, I mean, it beats the alternative. I he guess can't that. go to Arrowhead right now and do that. He's got to try and show it in a practice setting, and he hadn't really shown it up to this point. And what you want to see are positive steps forward and stringing days together. I, I think that's the thing that you want to see. And Saturday night, great, but that wasn't with the starters. Yesterday was with the starters. And yeah, I mean, to be fair, the defense is pretty banged up right now. They are missing probably half of their starters. And so you you throw in all these caveats and yes, you have to take things with a it's still a training camp setting. But so far, we hadn't seen him do that yet in camp. At least in my opinion, I don't think we'd seen it to that magnitude. And I, Jake, I think you can say the same thing about Shaquille Leonard right now. We're sitting here on August 7th. And Shaquille Leonard, and imagine saying this in June, Shaquille Leonard has done everything in practice. Imagine saying in June, you would get to August 7th and Shaquille Leonard would have practice individual, 7-on-7, 
11 on 11, no pads, full pads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yesterday he was furious with himself for drafting or for dropping in 7 on 7. Uh in interception, it was another reminder of okay, this is what he can do. Get his hands on some balls that not every linebacker can. Um, he's got a month to go until the season starts, and he's already checked every box. Now it's about knocking off the rust, you know, ramping up that that workload. Um, but like those things, when the benchmarks are right here, right now, you aren't doing joint practices, you aren't playing preseason games. You can only do you know blue versus white type of moments in in practice. Richardson, positive step forward. And for Leonard, eight practices in, I continue to be stunned by his workload. Did Does Anthony Richardson, has he shown at all, Kevin, at this point, I think every quarterback has a safety net. Every quarterback has that one receiver that for whatever reason, like telepathically, you know, you talk to quarterbacks that play in the NFL, and they'll tell you there were certain receivers that when they break the huddle and they go to the line, they they they, they had a look where they knew, like, okay, it's probably coming your way here. Obviously, the play call designates that as well. Has Anthony Richardson formed that? Very early, I realize. Is there anybody that seems to be his preferred go-to? I don't think we're there because, you know, they, they do flip-flop a lot of days. So, you know, there are days where he's not throwing to Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman. Yesterday, you know, probably Pierce was the guy that I, I would say he had the most connections with. But I, I still don't think we're there yet with saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is his safety valve. This is his security blanket, et cetera, et cetera. I do think something else to note on Richardson, Jake, is a week ago today we were at Colts practice. The announcement comes in the 8 o'clock hour, Anthony Richardson's going to miss practice today due to a nasal septum surgery. Then you go to last Tuesday's practice. Probably make the argument it was his worst practice of camp. Thursday was not a whole lot better. So in a week, you obviously see the volatility, but you also see misses time, has this surgery, comes back from the surgery, doesn't look great on Tuesday. Not a whole lot better on Thursday. Then you get to Saturn, Saturday and Sunday, and it's a much different looking quarterback. Those are obviously, and and that is a linear line, and it's not always going to be that. But that's the type of project progression, excuse me, that you want to see from him. It was a pretty wild week for him. And again, I I, I said it earlier. I don't think Shane Steichen would just drop a heck of a day line. He has not been that way with Richardson. Um, throughout camp, I I don't think he would do that if he didn't think uh, that was a pretty impressive day for him in full pads in what was probably uh, the longest practice the Colts have had of training camp so far. You know what's a good combo? Richardson and Alec Pierce, for example, you'd like for those guys to become like a really good combination, right? How about strawberry icing and fruity pebbles? How about that for a combo? Is that a Quack Daddy Donut? That is a Quack Daddy Donut. Strawberry icing and Fruity Pebbles, man. You can't... Fruity Pebbles... I was going to say you can put Fruity Pebbles on anything. That that makes it sound like Quack Daddy Donuts. Or, no, I mean, a, a, a plain donut from Quack Daddy Donuts is good. But you add the Fruity Pebbles? Hell yeah. Like, we let's go. did see the practice debut for Juju Brents. That is the NFL practice debut for him over the weekend. That's the cornerback from Warren Central, the second-round pick. Again, vital for him to... Get out there. And I think he admitted that like there were naturally just kind of the nerves and the juices going, right? Oh, sure. I mean, he missed, what, 15, 16, maybe even more than that practices here to start his rookie season. And uh, he's got to get out there to try and earn some sort of playing time here 
um, in his rookie campaign. Uh, something we can talk about a little bit more in the 8 o'clock hour is the Colts did sign a veteran running back in Kenyon Drake over the weekend. What, if any, does that mean for the likes of Jonathan Taylor? Is it more of a Zach Moss thing? You know, how much do you read into that? Uh, I thought that was a I thought that was a notable move that the Colts made over the weekend. Um, we'll talk plenty about this with Joel A. Erickson coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin, I want to get into some of that conference realignment as well because I think this thing's not done yet, right? Would you agree with me? Well, I just don't know. I, I don't see Notre Dame moving anytime soon. And I guess, I, I don't know, the four Pac-12 teams got to do something. But outside of that, I mean, it seems like that grant of rights for the ACC really is locking those teams in. I know, but I think I think there's a path. It sounds like election night, doesn't it? But like uh, a, I mean, where are they where are they getting this money? I mean, they got to get lawyers and money. I just don't think that stuff happens overnight. That's a great song, by the way. Lawyers, guns, and money. <laughs> Isn't that... Uh... Oh, uh, who is it that does that song? Warren Zavon, is that right? I have no idea. Can we you, play that? You're gonna hear that at Wrigley on Wednesday. <laughs> That's Springsteen. Why would North Carolina leave without Duke? Good question. But I'm telling you, I think I I, I don't think we're done yet. I think the carousel's still spinning. We can get into that. We'll as have well. Steve Kornacki come on and he'll explain it to us. <laughs> That's right. He now That's does right. the NFL like playoff projections. Yeah, it's stuff. right. Uh, as Joel or as Jake said, Joel A. Erickson from Star coming up at nine o'clock. Mike DeCourcy to talk more realignment at nine thirty. Mark Dykton, we're continuing to give away a four pack of state fair tickets. I believe that is correct. So the pop quiz, we will. I don't know. Maybe let's talk about that in the break if we should move that around at all. Uh, but we'll give that away to the state fair pop quiz. Four pack of tickets here all week long on. Kevin Inquiry. Again, a little bit of overcast, a little bit of a wet start to this Monday morning here in Indianapolis. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin Inquiry right here on 93.5. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Seven five, the fan. Todd Meyer pointing out. By the way, it's Warren Zevon. I said Zevon. It's Warren Zevon. Uh, enjoy every sandwich. I'll simply say that. If you know, you know. Um, we have actually some audio that I found interesting from inside. This is from Kevin. I, I guess, and I didn't realize this is the Big Ten was kind of it was really as we were getting off the show on friday oregon and washington were were, i'll be honest everything i had read on thursday was that oregon was it was a fait accompli that oregon was going to join the big 10 and washington was going to piggyback in with them and i know there was some there were some reports on friday that that was off the that was put back on the back burner i i think they were going full bore all along, but I mean, we now know that Oregon and Washington are in, along with 
UCLA and USC. Uh, this is, and my understanding is, I don't know which network it was, snuck in a, a tape recorder, kind of like the Bob Knight, the famous Bob Knight locker room uh, speech from the 1990 season. Uh, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, that th- was secretly recorded. I think this was a secret recording of the Big Ten offices uh, on Friday afternoon here. Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. That's pretty much what the Big Ten sounded like, right? Um, Here's... <laughs> here's here's the, the what's reality. the new commissioner's name? It's not Kevin Warren anymore. What's his name? Oh, it's the Kevin Warren's with the Bears now. I, you know, I forget. I still want to say Jim Delaney, but Jim Delaney was obviously the one that came up with the Big Ten Network, which is the the spearhead in all of this. Um, I really believe this, Kevin. Tom and Petiti, hear me out. Tony Petiti. Yeah, I was gonna say it sound like some TV name. You now have eighteen teams, and they're gonna add clearly two more. And I really do think those two are going to be Stanford. And then once Stanford comes in, conventional wisdom says that Stanford will bring Cal with them. And that does make sense. Why wouldn't they all just go together? Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal all at the same time. Um, Yeah, I can't answer why they would not have all come at the same time. I think, except for this. I think the real domino here is Notre Dame. And I do believe that the Big Ten is still actively pursuing Notre Dame and Notre Dame is receptive to those talks. But I think Notre Dame still wanted to see what happens with the ACC, which is where they have obviously some alignment. And the ACC looks like they might survive all of this. I mean, there was some talk at one point that the ACC would be the one that would kind of go the way of what the Pac-12 had happened, and that it would be poached to the fact of dissolved. I think the ACC, Florida State, which now, by the way, Florida State, apparently, I I don't think there's truth necessarily to it being Saudi money, but now with NIL, Florida State is apparently the one that's actively pursuing getting sponsorship from like you know investment fund groups uh, that becomes a whole different talk show but the ACC schools that would be probably in out there to be plucked would be probably North Carolina Florida State Clemson I, I don't think Syracuse but I think Notre Dame wants to see what happens with those but the the money here's the thing Kevin I, I realize that a lot of these conferences want to protect themselves by pointing out the financial obligations that universities would have if they were, or the buyouts necessary to leave like the the contractual television deals they have. Uh, The Big Ten and the Big Ten Network money is such that I think anything can be offset. And I think we've seen that. I personally believe that the last two that are going in the end, and I don't think it's going to be imminent. I think it's probably a year from now. But I think Stanford and Notre Dame are the two that now come in. What that does to Cal, I don't know. Because Cal is in a different 
It's just a different university than Washington State and Oregon State. Washington State and Oregon State do have kind of a Mountain West type feel to them. I, I don't mean that as a disrespect to those universities. But Cal, from an academic standpoint, is on a totally different level. Yeah, I could totally regret this comment at some point, Jake, but I'd be surprised if Notre Dame made that move in such a quick manner. And obviously, conference realignment has beyond reshaped the... I don't think that's a quick manner, though. The the pace of this. I mean, they just their new athletic director is the former president of NBC. So Notre Dame... Notre Dame wants two things. They want to maintain their TV presence on NBC, and they want to maintain a seat at the college football playoff table. And right now they've got both. And with a new athletic director that just comes from the president of NBC, I don't see that relationship being fractured anytime soon. And I think it's quite appealing to other conferences to say, hey, yeah, you know, we, we can make this type of money by playing Notre Dame in a non-conference schedule. Now, do we ever see non-conference schedules just totally evaporate? Do we see the SEC just say, screw, you know, screw that idea. We're, we're just only going to play conference games. Yeah. Big Ten, same thing. I think that's probably a question that Notre Dame um, could face here, but that is not on the horizon seemingly anytime soon. Um, you know, I'll to me, it, it just it has the feel that football just needs to break away. Because how can you sit here and say from a academic, social life, you know, you hear all these team or university presidents or athletic directors right now, the mental health of our students is the most important thing. How can you say, oh yeah, we're going to travel and go play a volleyball game on a Wednesday in Eugene or Seattle, and we'll be back in State College and expect them to go to class the very next morning? Well, or hey, we're not going to do an NCAA tournament in football because it takes our student-athletes, takes them too far away from the classroom when that actually is during winter break and yet the NCAA tournament happens during school. You know what I mean? I mean, there's again, all, when does this the hypocrisy get, is all over the place. When does this get to March Madness? Isn't that only a matter of time? I mean, how much does having 31 automatic bids... 15 of them go to schools that, unless they pull off an upset, they are not drawing anything in from a TV revenue standpoint for March Madness. How much of that does it eventually turn into? And again, I guess you're going to have to migrate from CBS, which I know there's probably a long contract there, to Fox and ESPN, because it seems like those two TV networks are controlling things more than any else in this realignment madness. Um, How much of that do you think is going to impact um, where the future of the March Madness tournament goes. And that, to me, is just an absolute huge bummer because I love it the way it is. I mean, honestly, I'd probably go back to 64 than it is 68. Um, but that is a question that I definitely have about, a, a non-football question about an event that, to me, ranks right up there with any other in terms of appointment television. One of my favorite things to do, Kevin, every year during the IndyCar race, Nick Yeoman and I go into the same... There's a Lids Outlet store in at, at John's Pass in Florida. And we go into it, and we have a, a deal every year where we each name a school, and if that school's hat is represented inside the store, we have to buy it for the other one. I think Nick has gone with like San Jose State before, and I've gone with Wyoming or New Mexico or whatever. And we've never had to buy the hat because it's always the same like 20 schools that are in you know any store. If you go into a, and I I like to use Lids, we all know what Lids is, or Hat World, or whatever it's called now. If you go into one of those stores in a mall, if the malls still exist, 
in give me a Mark Dykton, give me a town off the top of your head. City off the top of your head somewhere in the US. Mokina. Excuse me? Mokina, Illinois. Okay. You said Mo- a city. I just throwing a name out there. Go ahead. There you a- go. Outside of the Big Ten region. Oh, I should have been more specific. Sake. Yeah, you should have been more specific. Okay, outside Amarillo, Texas. Amarillo, region. Texas. Jeez, only a matter of time before they're in Texas. That was like when he asked you for an example and you gave one. He's like, no, 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 not that one. Okay, you, you go into Amarillo, Texas, and you walk into a lid store. What schools are you guaranteed to have the hats for? Hanging on the hang on, Notre Dame, Michigan, North Carolina, probably Florida State, uh, Ohio State, Alabama. Those schools, the, the the transcendent, no matter what market you're in, no matter what region you're in, schools, I have long felt the schools of that kind of a brand were eventually going to form a super conference. And then, and I know it sounded crazy when I first thought of this like three or four years ago, secede from the NCAA and just say, we don't, we don't need it. And like... In just football or all sports? Well... Football anchors everything. So I would say all sports. Somebody sent me a thing and they're like, Fuh. the big Purdue would never be in jeopardy. They just had the number one ranked school and ba- number one ranked team in basketball. And Purdue's a fine academic institution. I get both those things indisputably. But I'm telling you right now, the conference realignment and these conferences going after schools, they care about three sports football, pigskin, and the, the one that plays on Saturdays, the day before Sunday when the NFL plays. Football is the, is the sport driving everything. Otherwise, Kansas would have been talked about a lot. You know, otherwise, like Duke would have been like an absolute ACC never, like everybody would have been coming after Duke. Isn't that what all about maybe football. the Big 12 does? Like with the whispers about UConn and Gonzaga? Isn't that kind of what the Big 12 is trying to do? In terms of what? Have a little bit more of a basketball prominence to them, realizing they've got to, you know, zig yeah, you, as they, everyone else zags. That's probably right. I mean, they've got to. I mean, it's nothing official, but I think there is some rumor. What are they at? Sixteen right now, the Big Twelve. Right, if and the Big Twelve give number, them credit because Kevin, there was Gonzaga a lot of discussion. Have been there was a lot of thought that the Big Twelve would be the one that was completely dissolved, and the Big Twelve, unlike the Pac Twelve, the Big Twelve had two choices. One was to sit there and not believe the hype, or the other one was to start getting active, and they got active. I mean, it is confusing in terms of like trying to figure out who's in what conference. Uh, I know Adam want to talk a little realignment here. What's up, Adam? Hey guys, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? Good. It, it, it seems like to me the addition of the four teams is a net positive for football, and I'm kind of in a net neutral for basketball. I'm a huge hooper. College hoops is my my jam, and I agree that football kind of is the anchor, kind of subsidizes all the other sports. It's the big dog, but it just seems like. There are some schools here in the Midwest, you know, your Kansases, your Kentuckys, your Louisville. There are some other schools that I'm wondering if you guys think that there's any consideration from the basketball perspective. Because it does, I mean, it's a moneymaker in itself. You know, Mark Madness does bring in the cheddar. Um, do you see any, uh, besides the expansion out west to what you guys were saying for Stanford, maybe Cal, they just, neither of those teams, in my opinion, it doesn't seem like a net positive adding Stanford and Cal for football. It just seems like, hey, we're just adding them to add them. Well, I think here's what, Adam, great points. Let me, let me go back to this. It is my understanding. Now, I wasn't in the room. Right, but it is my understanding that with the westward expansion, the Big Ten initially reached out to USC, and the Big Ten reached out to USC and said, "Listen, 
we want you to join us. And that's because they wanted the football program of USC, plain and simple. They didn't care about, you know, the fact that O.J. Mayo played basketball there and Harold Miner. And what, they, they wanted USC football. And USC said to the Big Ten, for travel partner purposes, and a lot of people forget, like back in the day, the Big Ten, if you would remember Indiana in basketball, I remember it this way, Indiana would always play the two-step where they'd go to Northwestern and Wisconsin in the same weekend trip. And typically there was another, the, the way that they did the scheduling, there was another team that was paired with Indiana that they traveled, they didn't travel together per se, but the scheduling was done that way. USC basically said for travel pairing purposes, we will come to the Big Ten, but we'll come so long as UCLA can come with us. And in the meetings, USC basically had its back, UCLA's back by saying like, and keep in mind, you're getting UCLA basketball. You're getting Pauley Pavilion and Bill Walton and John Wooden and the tradition. And the Big Ten said, yeah, 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 spare us all that. We don't care about that. Um, They play in the Rose Bowl. That's cool. What do they bring in football? What's their football revenue? And USC essentially said like, we're coming, but only if UCLA comes with us. And they said, okay, fine. And I think they wanted Oregon because Oregon is a huge football moneymaker because of the Phil Knight thing. And in basketball, they make some money, but not like football. Oregon, just in general, their athletic department is, they are literally burning hundreds. So, uh, amongst other things. So, Oregon, the Big Ten went after, and Oregon said, look, that's all well and good, but we, we also want like a travel partner, and Washington has football cachet. They've been in the college football playoff. They were a national champion within the last 35 years, which I know is ancient history, but still, they have some cachet from a football standpoint. But Washington was able to piggyback in with Oregon because Oregon is the football moneymaker. And that's why I think the Big Ten will continue to recruit Notre Dame. Now, as for Stanford, what Stanford does is Stanford does have football cachet, but more so Stanford brings you, and this is the one thing that would offset if you were like of an average football revenue program, Stanford is the most elite academic institution in America, period. And so therefore, that has with it for the Big Ten an incredible appeal. If the Big Ten could get Stanford and Notre Dame, as the final pairing. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they could, it is a huge coup because then you have, literally, you're bringing in two of the top 10 academic reputed schools in America. I I don't understand if you are Purdue or Indiana, and let's take their respective presidents, for example, and you sit in these meetings and you're voting Oregon and Washington in, and obviously the easy answer, Jake, is money. I do think at some point you reach a, do you really need to add X amount of million more into your budget for the addition of Oregon and Washington. Like at some point, what? how does Indiana and Purdue's football programs benefit from Oregon and Washington? Money. When has any member of a fan base ever said, we're Indiana football, we have more money than Cincinnati football, so we've had a better last five years than Cincinnati football's had? Well, Kevin, you're separating fan base from, I mean, you're confusing that fan base has authority when it comes to a university making monetary decisions. And again, I know I'm very naive with this, but isn't there an element where you have reached a standpoint of these are massive pieces of the pie that Indiana and Purdue are getting from a TV right standpoint? Okay. Huge piece of the pie. But at some point, isn't your prestige also based off wins and losses of the biggest moneymaker driver in your athletic department, and that is your football program that, 
I guess Indiana different than Purdue a little bit, but it's been the absolute laughing stock of college totally. football. And now you get pushed further down that ladder. And Jake, at some point, tradition and history but Kevin. are great, but at some point, and you brought this up earlier, when does the Big Ten say, okay. hey, let's just cut the fat but, from the end yeah. of the conference and let's try and go get Notre Dame, Clemson, North Carolina, you know, I whoever totally else are that. these other elite football programs where you just push out all the tradition you've ever had as a conference. Now, here to answer the first part, Indiana, we'll use Indiana as an example. We can go Purdue with this as well, but, but I'll use the Indiana example because you're right. Their football program is a disaster, and it has been forever. Indiana's football program is the losingest program in the history of college football, right? But in the last 10 years, Indiana, suddenly their baseball program like has become a thing. Like people care about Indiana baseball. I see people like on Twitter, like, oh man, that, you know, they went to the College World Series and Chris Lamonis had them going in the right direction and Kyle Schwarber and people like care about Indiana baseball. Suddenly, all of a sudden, their women's basketball program selling out Assembly Hall and they're, they're thriving in the NCAA in, in Big Ten women's basketball. Their swimming program has had not necessarily the Doc Councilman level resurgence, but a resurgence nonetheless. And they have great facilities. They have a, a sports media program that is like getting all kinds of money put into it. That comes from, not entirely, but largely, the revenue generated by the Big Ten Network, by being a Big Ten member school. And what now they have done, Kevin, and the reason why they went out and got USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington is this reason and this reason only. And that is because, not, not, not only, but that is because the Big Ten Network, unlike the, the Pac-12 Network, tried to do what the Big Ten Network did, but the Big Ten Network was first. So the Pac-12 Network's problem was they couldn't get in enough homes with cable penetration. There weren't enough broadcast carriers that were carrying the Pac-12 Network. So when they went to advertisers and other such things, those places were like, well, wait a minute. If we buy you, we're only in 38% of American homes. The Big Ten Network is available across the board because they were the first. They're on DirecTV. They're on Hulu. They're on you know everything, right? And now what? You, and so then the last hurdle, the last mountain for the Big Ten Network was this: they had gotten to the point where they had almost one hundred percent penetration of American households of televisions. But that doesn't mean that those households all had incentive to watch the Big Ten Network because you had two major metropolitan areas of the united states in time zones that didn't have interest in the big 10 because of the time differences and those areas were southern california and the pacific northwest and now the big 10 can go to insert name of corporation and say hey if you advertise on the big 10 network not only do you get 100 percent penetration into households but we can guarantee you now you're getting eyeballs in every single time zone of the united states cool sign me up how much money can i give you and the money just keeps coming. And it's like Deion Sanders said, it's all about the bags. Yeah, I think at some point, you know, let's turn it in like an NFL owner sort of comparison. I don't think the Rooney family with the Steelers would be up there in the top five richest NFL owners. But I think Jerry Jones would trade the success that he has had with the Cowboys with Art Rooney and a heartbeat. And I think at some point you've got to look at these conferences and say, yes, we are you know racking in millions of dollars. But if you're a university president, would you sacrifice five million to have your football program have a much better chance at being 
competent to better yes. than competent? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because Jerry Jones and the Roonies have one job and one job only, and that is to uh, to make their football team win games. A university president, a football team winning games, is the caveat towards bringing in the financial revenue towards building their academic institution, which is their primary job on the surface. Right, your your football team winning games, but an Oregon Washington well, move uh, or, or, is I'm not sorry, helping I'm sorry, your football team. I'm win sorry, games. your football team, your football team's revenue. Sorry, your football team's revenue. Which comes from winning games. Not If you're a part of the Big Ten now, Kevin, with these television contracts, what I'm saying is being a doormat, Indiana being a doormat in the Big Ten is giving them far more financial windfall than what Baylor's getting by being in the Big 12 and winning games. It's a dangerous game. At some point, they look at the, the bottom feeders and say, when do we cut that? I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. And I just don't see how Oregon and Washington, outside of a slight financial bump when you're already in an absurd stratosphere of finances, helps you out in the long term as a football program. Again, Mike DeCourcy is going to join us coming up at 9.30 chat more about this. Uh, we'll get back into the Colts conversation on the other side. Let's hit a morning check down. The Reds stink. Uh, That's six in a row for the Reds, tying their longest losing streak of the year. And all of a sudden, the Cubs and the Reds tied for second in the NL Central. That is one and a half games behind the Milwaukee Brewers. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? That deserves to be played. That is so succinctly said, which is what makes it so great, right? Well, where are you going to go? Mark just blasted that on the road trip. Girls, we're not going to listen to anything else in the car. We're just going to listen to this. The Cubs take two of three from the Braves. So, as I said, one and a half back, both the Cubs and the Reds now in the NL Central. And we're starting to get to that point in the season where it's like, where's Hunter Green? Where's um, where's any sort of competent pitching is probably the best way to put it. Nick Lodolo. For the Reds right now, yes. Uh, Fever yesterday, losers in Atlanta, 82-73. They are now 7-21 overall. That is two straight. Back in action, taking on Los Angeles at the Fieldhouse. That is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Racing yesterday, Kyle Kirkwood, the winner on the streets of Nashville, Tennessee. Scott McLaughlin was a pole sitter, finished in second. More importantly, or most importantly, I guess I should say, you have Alex Pelot that finished one spot ahead of Joseph Newgarden. That extends Pelot's championship points lead now to 84 points with just four races remaining. Uh, other notes from the weekend, the U.S. women's national team, they lose in the round of 16 at the World Cup. By all accounts, they were certainly the better team than Sweden throughout that game, but could not put it in the back of the net. And then when penalty kicks rolled, rolled around, the U.S. got a lead, but Megan Rapino and Sophia Smith both just absolutely choked. Um, both knocked their penalty kick attempts way over the goal there. It went into sudden death penalty kicks, and that was when Sweden can Converted. The U.S. did not, and so they advanced Sweden to the final eight for the first time in World Cup history. The U.S. women's national team do not make the final four. I have a question for you that is meant to sound, not meant to sound snarky is going to come off that way. Uh, I was watching yesterday. Lionel Messi continues to to kind of dazzle in the MLS with Miami, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, this is great for the MLS. And then I thought to myself. Is he giving a shot in the arm at the MLS, or is he illuminating the incredible chasm between the level and skill of play of top-level soccer players and what's played in the MLS? Oh, probably both. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, they just want eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, if you look at 
I mean, I don't know if social media is the basis of it, but if you look at like the social media following that has changed for Inner Miami in the last couple of weeks, it is just in a whole different world from where they were to where they are now. And the thing about Messi, and again, I think other soccer people can probably speak to this a little bit better, but like his ability to convert those free kicks like you're seeing, those are instant highlights. It's not like he's like an elite defensive player or he's an elite goalie to where you need some other things to happen. As long as you get fouled in the general area near the goal, he's got the ability to do something that is just going to go viral in a heartbeat on social media. So I think like his style as a player um, certainly plays into that as well. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into the Colts conversation. Kevin Aquari here on a Monday morning. Jake, the Colts signed a veteran. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Running back on Friday, that would be Kenyon Drake, former third-round pick. He started over 40 games in his career. Um, They worked him out, what, a week ago? Yeah, I would say right after that Zach Moss injury, maybe a little bit over a week. But um, he joins the mix here. What do you make of that move, if anything, related to Jonathan Taylor? I. At this point, okay, since the injury, how many players have they signed at that position? Well, they signed the UND kid, Toriano Clinton, the very next day. Right. I have a feeling that was more logistically like, oh, he's in our backyard. We know he can be up in Westfield um, tomorrow. And then they actually cut him for Drake. So, um, So, therefore, I would say not much because it's – you're still at the same number. Yeah, but I mean that's a totally different resume than Toriano Clinton. Totally, I mean understood. I look at Kenyon Drake, Jake, and I don't know. Maybe I'm putting myself into his shoes a little bit too much, but I mean, this is a guy that is 29 years old. That is ancient for t- today's NFL when you're talking about the running back uh, spot. And if you look at him last season. He was with Baltimore. They had some running back injuries as well. And, you know, he started... He's put up decent numbers. A handful of games for the Ravens. And if I'm not mistaken, I think last year he actually had a game of more than 100 yards. So I bring that up to say, if I'm Kenyon Drake and I'm 29 years old, I've barely played special teams in the last handful of years, he probably views himself still as a guy that can help a team out in a somewhat large capacity, I don't think he would just sign with the team just to sign with the team and be a camp body. Like To me, it looks a little bit more than just a camp body. Now, maybe 
they view it as a Zach Moss insurance. Granted, well, Zach Moss. That's is, how I would see it. But if I, you're Drake, I mean, isn't Moss only supposed to be out until the start of the season? Wouldn't you wait for the torn ACL or the torn Achilles? That inevitably happens. I think the Saints just had a running back. Well, if I'm if I'm Drake, I'm taking the bird in the hand. But it's early August. Why, the, why not wait till mid to late August and wait for further injuries? Well, to because I, I think you probably know that that's the. the in other words, if I'm Kenyon Drake, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I could sit at home and watch Wheel of Fortune every day, or I could go out and take some cash from the Colts, knowing that when that 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 at the beginning of the season, I'm going to be available again, and there are always going to be injuries at running back, and then I've got body of work, fresh legs, and a little extra money in my pocket. I mean, that's how I would look at it. I look at it this way, Kevin, when it comes to the running back position. When you asked about Jonathan Taylor, what this means for Jonathan Taylor. I don't think that signing Kenyon Drake means that the Colts were actively looking for insurance for Jonathan because of the Jonathan Taylor situation, but it sends the message once again to anybody that's involved that when you need to, you can go off the street and find a guy that played four years at college football's preeminent program that has played for a very a variety of NFL teams and averaged over four yards per carry and sign him off the street and plug him in. It's it's an easy position to replace. So if Jonathan Taylor wants to play hardball, the Colts are like, yeah, cool. We're just going to go to running backs or us. They got a little wheel you spin. You either get a keychain or you get 50% off a running back because there's a thousand of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to act like Kenyon Drake is in the same league as Jonathan Taylor. Nope, nobody would think it is. But if you can get a guy in today's NFL, and every team knows this, if you can get a guy at 30% the cost that gives you 50% the production at a position that doesn't necessarily require big-time production, then, then you have to look at that. You have to look at that business model. I think Jonathan Taylor, Kevin, is an unbelievable talent. I, there's no question that he is a – at what he does, he brings to the table something that very few in the NFL bring to the table. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, it's a deprioritized position, unfortunately for him. Another thing to note on Drake that I feel like would pique the Colts' interest a little bit, the most recent stop for him was with Baltimore – um, he has had a stop with Arizona as well. You think about the quarterbacks that he played with in both of those situations, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, um, both obviously run threats. Lamar, I would say, more than than Kyler. Um, so you would think if and when Anthony Richardson gets the keys to the car, you know, Kenyon Drake has some history in similar types of offenses. Uh, and honestly, that might be a question with Jonathan Taylor, and, and that kind of gets to the to the next point, Jake, I don't think this week is necessarily that time. But I think when we get to next week, the final week of training camp, and certainly the weeks after that, we're going to reach a point with Jonathan Taylor, and I think it's a relevant question for Shane Steichen, that this dude needs to practice if he's going to play week one. Like, he has not been on an NFL practice or game field since mid-December. That's a long time for a guy that, again, right. has not dealt with a whole lot of injury history in his career. So I think ramping it up, getting ready, all of those things, it's kind of an unknown for Taylor. We've talked about how last season was so choppy. It was so start and stop for him. 
throughout the season. And yesterday was five weeks from the season opener. So again, I don't think we're necessarily there this week, which the Colts practice on Tuesday and Thursday. But when they get to Grand Park next week for their final three practices, and then certainly the week after that, like is two or three weeks enough time for Jonathan Taylor to be ready for week one? Kevin. Because if that if I'm if that's iffy, then Kenyon Drake could be your week one starter. If I'm Jonathan Taylor or his representation, I'm I'm thinking of it in these terms. I'm wanting even though for Taylor, he doesn't want to be here. So maybe it's a moot point. But Jonathan Taylor's value to the Indianapolis Colts has changed. It just has. Jonathan Taylor's value to the Indianapolis Colts in 2021 and 2022, for that matter, was being a running back that was a huge part of their offense and a complementary piece to keep defenses honest enough to allow the Colts quarterback to whether it be Carson Wentz or a a still viable Matt Ryan to open things up for their receiving core. That was Jonathan Taylor and, and to help them win games with knockout blows and et cetera. That all changed. Jonathan Taylor now, if he were to want to play and get paid in Indianapolis, which I don't think either one of those two things is true, but if it was, Jonathan Taylor needs to get out in camp to show the Colts brass, this is what I do in terms of my pairing with Anthony Richardson. This is what I bring to the table in terms of my my security blanket for Anthony Richardson. Because everything right now, literally everything around the Indianapolis Colts is around the development of Anthony Richardson. And I know that fans want to win games and fans want to talk about the wild card and fans want to talk about the division. The Colts are interested in developing Anthony Richardson, making Anthony Richardson comfortable, finding out who Anthony Richardson can play with, and and grooming and growing Anthony Richardson. That's it. So if that's the case, then why haven't they engaged in any sort of contract talks with Taylor? They being? The Colts. Why haven't you... Because uh, because the, he's under contract, right? But past this season, do they franchise tag him? They don't have to worry about anything with him beyond two years from now. So the cap hits continue to grow instead of front loading the contract when you have the opportunity to do that. Now. Yeah, because I think they look at it and they go, "Listen, what Jonathan Taylor? Quite frankly, I don't know this, but I'm guessing this. Jonathan Taylor is entering year what as an NFL player? This be his fourth NFL season. Okay, so after two more years, he would be." entering year seven as an NFL running back after 900 carries in college. They're thinking to themselves, by then, our primary running option is probably going to be Anthony Richardson. He's going to be in year three ready to, to let the, the reins, to, to, to let the dogs go and let him go and, and see what we've got with him with a developed Josh Downs and with and in his prime Michael Pittman and with younger players and whatever else. At that point, we can put a minimum salary rookie-level running back behind him, and we're good to go. So we need him for two years. We have him contractually bound where he's not going anywhere for two years. We have no interest in paying him triple, you know, $10 million three years from now. It doesn't do us any good because we don't need it by then. We're going to churn him up and spit him out. And Jonathan Taylor knows it, which is why he is saying, get me the hell out of here. Yeah, so much of this is rooted in why do you spend a second-round pick on him? If this that's, is the Well, that's process totally fair. I mean, you've said that. That's a totally fair question. That you're going to have just 
three years in, potentially bailing on it. But Kevin, again, when they drafted him in the second round, they were in a totally different place. When the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor in the second round, they were building a big spacious house with waterfalls and a pool in the backyard. And then all of a sudden, everything changed and now they're building a ranch house that has a four-car garage to it. They're to- they've totally blown up the blueprints and the landscape of who they were going to be. Because of the fact that they, the biggest problem for the Colts is not necessarily even the drafting of Jonathan Taylor in the second round. It's the fact that they completely butchered, not once, not twice, but three times, the analysis of who was going to be their build around franchise quarterback. Yeah, I don't get that thought process in 2020. I mean, Phillip Rivers at most was going to give you two years at most and then you'd have to restart everything right so you would still be there with the rookie quarterback i guess a year earlier than richardson so i don't i don't get i mean you had one division title in five years i don't get why 2020 was viewed as this we're a super bowl mindset type team that that just doesn't add up to me um considering where you're at particularly at quarterback but still where you at as a franchise uh, back a couple of years ago. Again, the Kenyon Drake thing, I don't know. It, it just it seems a little bit more than just a camp body. It, it, it just... You're going to come off your couch in the first week of August to potentially be like paired with Zach Moss? I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, mean, he's an insurance policy. Yeah, I feel like it might be a hair more than that. I can be dead wrong, but... Um, well, it, but my point being, Kevin, I mean, we're we're agreeing to the same thing through a, an odd, like, not disagreement. But my my point being with you, I yes, that's the point. And here's the thing: if Kenyon Drake is more than that, and and he and Zach Moss are your backfield, then it's proving the point what the rest of the league is saying to the NFL. I, I'm sorry, what the rest of the league is saying to the Colts, which is, yeah, man, that's how we've all been doing it. You hire some guy that, that was working at Crew Car Wash because he's got he came out of Alabama and he was doing you know you, and you put him in there and he Jonathan Williams back to back hundred yard games what's he doing now they're, they're they're a dime a dozen that's why you're a fool to your point you're a fool for drafting high a running back that you're going to pay big time money to and I think the Colts figured that out the Colts learned from their mistake to their credit they learned from it and they're like yeah we're we're not going to give you like Derrick Henry money because we can replace you that too easily and how much of that is Shane Steichen teaching the Colts you know I, I think that is something because Jim Mercer and Chris Bauer have had comments in the last calendar year where they still speak like they have always spoke about Jonathan Taylor but Shane Steichen obviously running the show offensively and I, you know Philadelphia certainly operates in a different way and, and you know just the threat of a running quarterback does that mean a little bit different from a running back standpoint speaking of the threat of a running quarterback Anthony Richardson pretty strong yesterday we'll touch more on that on the other side again Joel Erickson going to join us at the top of the hour Kevin Aquari here on a Monday morning in Indy a little overcast start to this Monday in Indy Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. We appreciate you starting your day with us on a Monday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bone and Mark Dykton. By the way, a reminder, if you're going up to Colts Camp, what better way to start things off than stopping by Quack Daddy Donuts up there in Westfield, right off Spring Mill. Uh, Quack Daddy Donuts, you can actually order ahead of time, which is kind of the beauty of the whole thing, right? If you want to... So you know what? I'm going to get a dozen donuts. We're going up. Take the kids. I realize a lot of them are back in school, whatever it might be. We're going to get you code words that you can use for $3 off a dozen donuts if you're heading up there. Uh, they are closed on Mondays, so for the rest of the week, we'll do that each day. QuackDaddyDonuts.com. When it comes to some of the combos that you'll see at the Colts with the Colts workouts, whether it be Anthony Richardson to Alec Pierce, maybe it be, well, certainly Jonathan Taylor, um, for right now, not in that equation. But there are fabulous combos when it comes to Quack Daddy Donuts, like, for example, their maple icing and bacon. Their peanut butter and jelly, the which is the August donut of the month, which also has vanilla icing on it. Several of them we will get you caught up to speed on. But Quack Daddy, we are always happy to be partnered with them if you are heading up to Colts camp. Yeah, shout out to Andy. Great dude. Andy's the best, man. Uh, and honestly, just looking at those donuts, you're going to be in awe just seeing them. Uh, and obviously, they taste tremendous right off there, uh, 161st and Spring Mill. Yesterday, just north of there, Anthony Richardson, pretty strong with the starting unit. Um, I thought probably his best day of camp with the starters. Uh, Shane Sykin seemed to be uh, a fan of it as well. Here was Shane Sykin yesterday after practice on Anthony Richardson. I thought he had a heck of a day today. He was really solid, made some big-time throws. Obviously, the two-minute drive threw a nice touchdown right there in the end zone. And then the two-point play that he ran in, it was, it was pretty good to see. So, for those that missed it earlier, basically the Colts ended yesterday with a scenario for both their starting offense and their second team offense. So, Richardson with the starters, Gardner with the second team. And with the starters, uh, it was a, I think, 46 seconds is what Shane Steichen put on the clock, just outside the red zone. And they had to score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion. So, they were down eight, theoretically. Uh, Richardson, I think it was a run on the first play, and then the second play threw a touchdown. Beautiful corner route to Kylan Granson. That and the Alec Pierce touchdown from yesterday, probably the best kind of 11-on-11 plays we've seen from him with the starters. Again, downfield throws, on target, in rhythm, those sorts of things. And then he ran the two-point conversion in on the very next play. Minshew and the second unit did get down to the goal line, but then he threw a pick to EJ Speed to end the day. And Jake, I think it's that aspect of Richardson's day, which is a step forward. Certainly, you have questions of can he continue to have these um, you know, steps in the positive direction, you know, stringing things together, all of that. And the defense was missing several starters yesterday. But we hadn't seen it from him yet. And last week was a pretty, I think, down week more than an up week. Off the field, he had the surgery. You know, He struggled when he came back. But it's those situations that I think stand out for for quarterbacks. You know, at some level, these quarterbacks are all relatively even. But when you get into the red zone, when you get into two-minute, when you get in the fourth quarter, what separates you? You know, Carson Wentz had moments in that 2021 season, Jake, where he looked fine. Fourth quarter, he'd wilt. Right. Wilt. 
and that's what separates people. And with Richardson, we just haven't we didn't see it much in Florida, so it, it, it's an unknown. And obviously, his leg element is huge in that portion of the field. We saw it on display yesterday, but also we saw the arm, and it's that combination of why the Colts envisioned something with him. Um, so I thought yesterday um, was probably his best day of camp so far. The when when Gardner Minshew is out, Kevin. Have you noticed in any way, shape, or form? And I, I don't know this. That's why I'm asking. Have the sets or the 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 plays that Gardner Minshew is being asked to run deviated or been different in any way, shape, or form from that of Anthony Richardson? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's two different game plans, if you will, for the two quarterbacks. And which one is more simplified? Which one is it? Is it a matter of simplifying and elaborating? Is it a matter of just like more on the ground ways in which they're throwing? I'd say more on the ground with Richardson. You know, more of the zone reads, more of the read option stuff. Um, it's probably and it's probably a little bit more of a simplification in the passing game with Richardson than it is Minshew. Um, but this is what I've always said about Richardson and playing him early. I mean, you don't need to walk into Week One with Jacksonville and have all 732 pages of the playbook available. You can construct a game plan in a very like, all right, Shane Steichen, you're this offensive guru. You cater to Anthony Richardson. You don't need to have these elaborate passing, you know, route tree games down the field, and that's something that Minshew's been in the system for three or four years can can incorporate. You can still evaluate Richardson, which is what all this season is about: evaluate and develop him in a scaled back game plan that caters to more of what you think he does well. But yeah, I think for anybody that goes out to practice. They will see a difference in those two. Uh, did just, you, just based off plays. Did you see the the photo posted of Carson Wentz? <laughs> yeah, I actually thought that was like a joke. It was. What was it again? It was. It was an Eagles helmet. He was wearing an Eagles helmet, Commanders, a Commanders jersey. Sh- jersey, and a pair of Colts shorts, working out. And he posted a picture of him working out. I. I, I Should we credit him for like poking fun at yeah, himself? Yeah, I, I think so. But I, I, when I saw it, I thought it was. Like Sata, I thought somebody had like photoshopped it. Do you think somebody's like at the Lost and Found of the Eagles? Like that's where that helmet went. Totally. I, that was the one Pull that I thought. Search. That yeah, was the one the that helmet. I kind of wondered. Yeah. I guess when you have almost an MVP type season, you win the Super Bowl. Does still have the like, headset? Yeah. Does still have the headset in it so he can hear the plays? Does he have the green dot on the back? Calling for Jalen Hurts. If you were a journeyman quarterback in the NFL, would you keep like for your office? Would you keep a helmet of every team oh, you played? Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick's got to have thirty of them. <laughs> going to going to Kirk Cousins' secret room, and he has like jerseys and helmets from every every level of okay. competition. Matty Bowen got obsessed with Kirk Cousins after the Netflix quarterback series. Um, really? Yeah, because he's odd. Um, no, attractive. I, no, I, I I thought she just felt like he was pretty real. Okay. Mark, real quick, pull up the career. We got a minute before we break. Pull up the career of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Kevin and I are going to do, do this like a drinking game. Go back and forth before one oh, of us God. nails it. Says a team that he did not play for. Okay, you ready? Yep. I this will is, be. This is strictly NFL teams. Ryan correct? Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I'll, I'll begin. Miami Dolphins. Kev. Texans. Oh, that's not it. Come on. Sorry, sorry. Buffalo Bills. Jets. Um. Oh man, hold on. Tennessee. <laughs> um, oh, oh! I just thought of one. Pretty sure Cincinnati. Tampa. 
we've got we've got two left. Oh boy! According to Wikipedia, we've oh got boy. two left. It's the first one and the last one. Ooh! The first team he started his career for, which should be. I don't know if it's easy. Commanders? Ooh, Kevin got the last one. <laughs> oh, wow. Where did he begin his career? Um, I don't know if I should offer you a hint because that'll pretty much I think give it I, away. I, I, I think I have a guess if, if Jake doesn't have one. Did you already? Hold on. Who did we say so far? You've said the Bengals, the Bills, the Titans, the Texans, the Jets, the Bucks, the Dolphins, and the Washington football team. Okay. There is one team remaining, and it was where he started his NFL career. Are they good? I don't think they were well. Now we're, they now weren't, we're they weren't good then. I would say they've been good. Here, in, let me l- l- let me wh- whisper to Mark. Uh, is it Eagles? No. Darn it! Kevin knows it. Kevin's got it. Rams. Ooh, the Rams, baby. Darn it. Darn it! The St. Louis Rams. It's a variety of helmets for that's impressive. The man cave. By the way, I think Mottman was disappointed to know that at Birdies, uh, they have a, a an awesome wall at Birdies of all the of, of a bunch of variety of helmets, and the Lions were on the same line as Westfield, Carmel, and Garen. <laughs> hey, opening opening night is a month away, right? Lions Chiefs. I'm like, hey, yeah, that'd be a good game. They caught in the totem pole, maybe. We'll see. Joel A. Erickson, he joins us on the other side. Kevin Aquary on a Monday. Last time we had Joel. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Erickson on. I'll be honest, there are parts of my body a bit more exposed than usually. Okay. Are. <laughs> okay. A little more clothed this time. Did did he let you just keep it? Or is he like, I have to wash this now? Well, he said he preferred bleach. Uh, Tuckman Cleaners, I think, was his recommendation on that. Um, I, I handed it back to Joel, actually, and he seemed to be content with the condition that I handed it back. Uh, Joel, have you worn your... I guess tank top brewer shirt since then. I, I have not. It has been washed. It has been washed and then put back in the uh, no, in the no, drawer. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You you actually wear that thing, Joel? Oh, absolutely. Where, where I was leading the NL Central. I, where in twenty twenty three does one wear tank tops? Uh, to baseball I, to baseball games that are like ninety degrees. Yeah, could not agree more. Okay. Lollapalooza. <laughs> <laughs> the infield of the Indy 500. I was going to say the, the beach. The beach is the a good beach. place to take that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, when was the last time the Milwaukee Brewers had a home game that was 90 degrees? Uh, I was. Uh, the last one I went to was in that range. It was Brewers Reds right before the All Star break with Wade Miley. They didn't just close the roof and turn on the air conditioning. Uh, see, the thing about the roof is when they close it. If there's the air conditioning, there's not really air conditioning in there. So if it's hot and they close the roof, it turns into like uh, sauna. 
Yeah, it's like Lucas Oil Stadium. They built a Lucas Oil Stadium. They forgot to put in a drainage ditch. They couldn't put in air conditioning at Miller Park. What the? What are these people doing? The hell is going Speaking on? Speaking of AC, it, it was probably the coolest Colts practice of camp yesterday. Out there at Grand Park, Joel was there per, per usual. Anthony Richardson, um, Joel, I think his best day with the starters. I was saying to Jake last segment, I think what stood out to me was in was really that, that that situational period at the end. You know, I think oftentimes we evaluate quarterbacks, or we should, and what separates them is in those moments. Red zone, two minutes fourth quarter, etc. And what you saw with Richardson is you saw his arm and the throw to Granson and then his legs on the two-point conversion. I think just like those are some moments that you point to. There's not a lot of it at Florida, but eventually, you know, that's what's going to be the separator for him whenever he does get into game action. Yeah, and and just to add on top of that, the the touchdown pass to Alec Pierce was during what Steichen calls a call-it period where the, the players don't know what the script is. They don't know what plays are going to be running. It's like a game where it gets called in. And so, like, uh, you know, I know that Shane Steichen was looking at yesterday as he was going to put a little pressure on his guys and see how they responded. And for Richardson to turn in his best practice so far uh, is is a really good sign from the rookie. Um, it feels like those last two days uh, in particular, uh, the first time on Saturday night with the, the second team and then yesterday with the first team, uh, those those were the first times that you kind of came away from it going wow that's that's a really good practice from the rookie. Were there any was there anything Joel that you felt like schematically was different that they might have tweaked that was to the liking of Anthony Richardson that increased his comfort level? Um, I I don't know if it's schematically or if they just told him to take the the. Um, the governor off a little bit, but it felt like when he ran yesterday, it felt like it was more decisive uh, and more. He he was. He, I, I felt like at times when he's when he's been in in practices before that he hasn't he hasn't really used his legs uh, in the same way as like as we were expecting, uh, where he's where he's taking off, kind of, you know making making a clear decision in the pocket and taking off. I did feel like that was the case yesterday. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if that was part of it. Uh, I also, I also think it's important to note that the first team defense, uh, did not have the force Buckner, um, doesn't have Samson and Yeah. They're down uh, five starters yesterday. Yeah. So I, I do think that that's, that's something that should be noted too, is that, is that the defense was missing some of the guys who could make life, uh, more difficult. Yeah. Three of those five in the secondary, something we were talking a little bit about earlier. Um, on the Richardson front, again, Joel A. Erickson is joining us here from the Indianapolis Star. I think he drew the short end of the stick and is off to Buffalo later this week for the preseason opener. Um, <laughs> you believe Richardson will start that preseason opener and play how much? I, I, I guess I'm asking, not trying to infer that. Yeah, that's... I mean... Obviously, when we've asked Shane about it, he's given us less than zero hints about what he wants to do uh, with it. I think if it were me, I would start Richardson and play him all the way into the second quarter, like pretty far into the second quarter, um, maybe, maybe the whole first half. You know, if uh, if we're looking at it in terms of he needs to play, I, I would I, I'd play him. I don't yeah, know that could not agree more. I don't know that Minshew. I don't know that Minshew needs a lot of time. Just being honest, so I, I'd play. I'd, if it was me, I think I'd play Richardson the first half. 
Let me ask you this, Joel. Joel A. Erickson is our guest. He's from the Indianapolis Star. He's on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Um, every year there's there's a player, no matter what team you're covering, where you start to get into camp and you go, you know, is he is he like in trouble here? Like what happened? He's not. He's he's just not playing well. And, you know, Trent Richardson comes to mind. I mean, you know, like as the weeks went on, it was like, man, like what, what's happening? And obviously we found out there. Who that we have not talked about needs to start showing something? This is a good question, and it's one I was actually thinking about yesterday. Um, Shane Steichen had an interesting answer on the tight ends. He was talking about tight ends, and he mentioned Drew Ogletree, and he mentioned Farrell Brown, and he mentioned – you know, Jelani Woods had a hamstring injury. He mentioned that Will Mallory was hurt. And I, I, I couldn't help but notice that he didn't – I don't think he mentioned Mo Alley-Cox, um, which was interesting to me uh, as as the most experienced player in, in that tight end room. And I, maybe that's nothing. You know, Mo is uh, – Alley-Cox is hurt right now. Um, it's an ankle with him. Uh, but I was I was just interested. They've, they've got all these tight ends in who – um, have some experience. They seem to like Mallory, even though he has not been on the on the field very much. And that, like, we're that's five tight ends I've just mentioned by name, and you don't normally carry five tight ends. And so now I'm, I kind of made a mental note to to try to figure out um, going forward. You know, if like who's who's going to end up being the odd man out? Are they really going to keep five tight ends? They, their history is that Shane Steichen's history is that he only plays three, so. That that's that's maybe the the name that popped into my head. It was after after he didn't mention him. I, I was kind of I was had my radar up. Again, Joel Erickson is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. The Colts will practice tomorrow and Thursday, and then head to Buffalo on Friday. It's a Saturday afternoon kick. One o'clock, I think, is kick time from Buffalo. Joel, I don't think we're maybe there this week. But I think you can make the argument next week that the question deserves to be asked, doesn't Jonathan Taylor need to practice soon if he wants to be ready for the opener? Like I, I almost feel like the contract talk has dominated so much of this that we have forgotten that a guy who has never had injury history in his football career until, whatever, last September, he has not practiced or played in a game since mid-December. He missed the last three games to end the 2022 season do you feel like we're nearing a date with taylor like separate of the contract stuff he just has got to practice if he's going to be ready week one but uh, yeah i i do think that probably the exact same timeline you gave you know uh, after that that first preseason game you're looking at kind of a month-ish uh before before you play the first regular season game and you know, we've we've seen guys go in with you know a couple weeks or whatever, but they they usually end up with a little bit of rust. Like you would you would like to see him on the field, um, and there's there's still there's still some mystery around what exactly is you know like what his physical condition is. He's on the pup. Like what what does that mean? Um, there's there's a lot that. There's a lot that I would like to have answered in that in terms of that particular situation. You make of the Kenyon Drake signing? Ken- Kenyon Drake is a 
essentially he's he's a veteran that you can bring in and just know that you have somebody experienced. Like this is Kenyon Drake is is he a camp body uh, or is he more than that? I, I think he is depth. I think I think you can keep him as depth if you want to. Uh, I don't know that you know he's insurance if something's wrong with Zach Moss's arm or something like that. I at this point in Kenyon Drake's career, I don't know if I see him as you know somebody that you would look at. He, even even when he was even when he was in the middle of his career, he was often a number two back. I don't know if you you look look at look at him as like if you if that's the message you're trying to send to Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I just for me, I, I don't know that that's the, the kind of message that would freak me out, really. I, I don't think uh, you I have think. to send a message, Joel, but I think the message is there. I, you, can, you can go in in mid-August and sign a guy that played at the number one college football program in America and had one quarter the number of carries that Jonathan Taylor had in college and has averaged four and a half yards a carry in the pros over six seasons and just plug him in. Let's go. Okay, good. You don't like this it? This is also his fifth team, though. This is understood. His, like, understood. But my point in being... In terms of what we're realistically expecting, in terms of what we're realistically expecting from a... I mean, I I think that he can definitely do the job, but in terms of going above and beyond like a like what you would get from Zach Moss or something like that, I, I don't know that no, I'm expecting. Uh, of course, I totally get it, but you get my point. My point being, running backs are not like other positions and the fact that there are guys with experience sure might not be game breakers and Jonathan Taylor's a game breaker no question but those guys are out there and and I just think Jonathan Taylor if he's going to play hardball with them it's like yeah okay sure we're good I, I I don't think that's the message being sent here but if they so choose it it's a convenient one that they can throw out in terms of messaging that's all it's the way I look it at is. it is yeah, I I understand what you're saying. That's sort of the that's sort of the league's position is that none of these guys offer anything to your team that's worth that's worth going above and beyond for. I I still think that if you have the game breaker type, especially with a young quarterback and maybe the potential to have less explosives in the offense, the passing game, that that the running back adds something there, but. You know, that's not what the NFL seems to think. So the NFL just disagrees with me. Joel A. Erickson is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, uh, with the Indianapolis Star, him and Nate Atkins have been all over it here. Throughout training camp, position battles of note, Joel, that you're still watching. It's kind of crazy to think. Just five practices left uh, at Grand Park. Two of those will be the joint sessions next week. Uh, Where are your eyes at kind of position battle-wise? Cornerback after yesterday... I kind of felt like for a while there with Brent's out um, and and Rush out that it was it was looking like Flowers and Baker for sure. Um, and now Brent's is back on the field and there were some deep passes hit on the first team yesterday. Uh, and now I'm starting to wonder if maybe that that's, that's something that could go all the way down to the wire even after we're not seeing stuff at Grand Park. Uh, cornerback is definitely one of them. Um, it's Tight end is another one. It's kind of odd to say, given like normally when you have a team coming off of a four-win season, there's competition all over the place. But it does feel like the starters in a lot of spots are pretty set, um, like offensive line-wise, defensive line, linebacker. Like those 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 starters in those spots all feel kind of set. Um, 
And yeah, I think tight end is the one that's really open. I, outside of that, to your point, you know, maybe one of those corner spots, but I don't think. I mean, unless Julian Blackman continues to miss time and Nick Cross starts to impress, I, I yeah, I, I'm, maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but it just seems like tight end's really the only one in my eyes that's truly, truly open. Yeah, tight. I, I agree with that. Tight. I mean, tight end, especially. I think. I think the biggest thing with tight end is that the person that we expected to take, or the person that I expected to take. To be the the, I think he's kind of the only one who's got the the skill set to really play the Dallas Goddard role is Jelani Woods, and he hasn't really been on the field very much because of an injury. So um, I think that that one does does feel pretty wide open now. You know, Drew Ogletree's had a had a pretty good camp coming off of that ACL, um, but but that one does feel pretty open. I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, outside of Brent uh, making a huge uh, push now that he's on the field. It, it it feels like it's it's pretty set and and now you're trying to just figure out okay who fills out the rest of the the 53 man before the end of this is over. Uh, Joel, how big a step do you anticipate Alec Pierce taking this year, and how has he looked so far? So, from a Alec Pierce only standpoint, like I, I think he's taking a pretty big step, and we've seen him making plays on some of the catches over the middle that were kind of sporadic last year. Um, I, I thought the other day when we interviewed him, it was a real sign of just how much he's grown in the way he, he was talking about how different cornerbacks play him and how that cha- that like how he's thinking about how that alters the way he has to run the route. Like he was saying, Kenny Moore has long arms. And he wants to get his hands on you. And, and that's different from Daryl Baker, who trusts his speed and kind of plays behind you and makes it harder to you know, do some of the comeback routes and stuff like that. That was the kind of stuff he didn't really talk about last year. Um, you know, I think last year as a rookie, you're you're trying to do all that stuff, but there's a lot there's a lot else that's new, and it's hard to do that kind of thing. This year, it feels like he's kind of in command of it, and really thinking through those details that Reggie Wayne can really help him with. Now, in terms of, I've been thinking about this with all the wide receivers from a volume standpoint. Uh, and I obviously the Colts passing game was terrible last year. But from a volume standpoint, if this becomes more of a running game team with Anthony Richardson and, and whoever's going to play running back, uh, I wonder if the receivers could be better this year and the numbers don't necessarily show it. Joel, last because one. Because of a lack of volume. Right. No, I get it. And, and probably scheme to an extent. And it just. I, mean, I, Joel, my thought would be that this year, offensively in particular, that the Colts, you know, it's entirely possible. It's a slow rollout like restaurants have, right? I mean, like they're not just going to come out in week one and be like, holy cow, they're throwing it all over the place. They're doing, I mean, it's going to be a slow rollout over the course of like probably 30 games, don't you think? Well, it's definitely going to take them time to figure out, like they, they have an idea right now of what they think they want to do, but... I mean, we know this better than better than anybody after having a different quarterback, you know, for the Colts for however many. It usually takes half a season, even with veteran quarterbacks, to figure out exactly what you're doing. And I mean, I know that was the previous staff, but that's also true of Steichen in Philadelphia. If you go back to the 2021 season with Philadelphia, uh, they were kind of scuffling halfway through the season, and then Sirianni gave up play calling. Steichen took it over. They altered what they were doing to emphasize Jalen Hurts' running ability, and then they started building into what they became last season. So uh, I'm, I'm expecting that to happen here, too. And just, you know, 
you can feel like you know what you have coming out of training camp, but it's obviously different than when someone is game planning for you and, and what happens when uh, they're disguising all this stuff and making it harder. And you're seeing, you're seeing unscouted looks where you think you know what the defense is going to do and then they're not. And, and that inevitably changes uh, what the offense is going to look like. So I think that's a good point. It's a good point that – and 30 games is a good point too because obviously, you know, as a rookie, it's hard to find any rookie quarterbacks who just hit the ground running right away. It usually takes some time. And so they're, they're not going to know until Richardson starts to grow into it exactly what they want to do. Joel, last one from me. Um, how would you evaluate Garner Minshew through A-Praxis? I think just, to me, I just don't know. I don't see him as, as competition for Richardson in, in a way that some people have talked about him. We're like, well, if you put Minshew out there, you, you have this really good chance to win a ton of games. I, I just, it's been a lot of short completions, um, He's not making a lot of plays down the field. When he's on the move, um, it often ends in a scramble for a yard or a throw out of bounds or something like that. He's not making a lot of plays on the move. Um, there have been on plays down the field, it feels like receivers have had to kind of come back for the ball a little bit. Um, he's, he's a backup. And that's we, we kind of they, the, the league kind of signaled that by him signing a $3.5 million deal when you know, guys like Andy Dalton were getting seven. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think coming into it, I thought maybe what other people thought, like some of that Jacksonville stuff, thinking of him as like, you know, almost a pseudo starter. And I don't know if we've seen that kind of player from him on the training camp field so far. It's a man that I think very understandably um, isn't afraid to rock a tank top to a baseball game. He okay. is Joel A. Eric. I mean, his team's leading the NL Central. I'd, I'd wear anything or nothing if he told me the Reds would be leading the <laughs> NL Central. Do you know who most has opposition to a guy wearing a tank top at a baseball game? The guy <laughs> sitting next to the guy wearing a tank top at a That's baseball probably game. probably his family. Well, <laughs> family should be the one to be honest. Joel, uh, congrats on what your Brewers have done so far, and uh, thank you for the time on this Monday morning. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'll see you out there later. That's Joel A. Erickson from the Indianapolis Star again Saturday at 1 o'clock. For those curious about the Colts' preseason schedule, Saturday at 1 in Buffalo. Uh, Next Saturday, it is a 7 o'clock kick inside of Lucas Oil Stadium against the Bears, the only home preseason game of this year's slate. And then two weeks from Thursday, Philadelphia. That will be an Amazon Prime game. Do you know that song Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John? Would I know it if I heard it? Mark? Uh, I don't off the top of my head just by title alone. You absolutely would know. Well, if I heard I just said by name alone, I I don't know it. Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John. If you play it, do you have it? Kevin will know it instantly. You just mentioned Philadelphia. It made me think of this. I'm only saying this because of this. If you, if I told you the song Philadelphia Freedom came out and was released in 1976, what would you naturally think it's about? Yeah, I'd assume, given Philadelphia as well, some sort of independence tribute. Yeah. So this song actually, Philadelphia Freedom, was because of his close friendship with Billie Jean King, and there was... At that time, there were professional tennis teams. Philadelphia had one called the Freedoms, the Philadelphia Freedoms. And Elton John wrote the song for Billie Jean King so that they would have a theme song around their tennis team. I mentioned that only because Indianapolis also had a team, the Indianapolis Loves, which was a professional tennis team that played out at the tennis center, which is kind of cool until you think about the fact that that means the team was called the Zeros.
thought that was that a, the you know what I mean? air conditioning company. Chris and John Love. Chris and John Love, Love Heating and Air Conditioning. Love-HVAC.com. 317-353-2141. In case you're curious. Mike DeCourcy in a few. We'll get back into the conference realignment discussion with him coming up uh, in a few. We will then push the pop quiz to the end of the show today. Let's do a morning check down before we get to Mike. The morning check down. Do we need to do an abbreviated morning check down here, Kev? Uh, Mark probably just covers it all right Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Reds have lost six in a row. Cubs and Reds, one and a half back now in the NL Central. The Cubs take two of three from the Braves. That's about all I've got on the baseball Uh, Fever have lost two in a row. They lost to the Atlanta Dream yesterday, 82-73. They're back in action taking on the Los Angeles Sparks Tuesday for 7 o'clock tip at the Fieldhouse. And speaking of two, Kyle Kirkwood yesterday won his second street course race of the year on the streets of Nashville. He won at Long Beach earlier this year. Up next this weekend, IndyCar Grand Prix on Saturday along with the Xfinity Pennzoil 150 and then the Brickyard on Sunday. ESPN just flashed up this stat, 250. 38 straight minutes the U.S. women's national team went without a goal at the World Cup. That is pretty wild when you think they played Vietnam in the first game, but nothing gets the Netherlands, um, Portugal, and then yesterday was Sweden. They lose in penalty kicks. They had a lead in penalty kicks. Megan Rapino blasted one about 100 yards over the goal. Sophia Smith followed with a chance to win it. Uh, she did the same thing, and they lost in the sudden death, then a penalty kick. Did you see the goal that Sweden scored for the win? Yes. What a wild, like, you initially think you stop it, and then, listen, there, the goalie tried to then bat it out of the goal, and it had already crossed the line. Um, honestly, probably quite the fitting in for a very disappointing World Cup, to say the least, for the U.S. women. The world has closed the gap, I guess, right? Complacency sets in. Closed the gap, and it looks like, and I see the number two ranked team in the world, Germany, lost. So, a um, few upsets in the Women's World Cup. Uh, speaking of the Colts, again, no practice today. Back at it tomorrow morning. We'll have Rick Venturi join us live from camp tomorrow morning, and then Thursday uh, they will be out there as well. So for those looking to catch the Colts before uh, they end their stay at Grand Park, I think they still have tickets available for this week, but a couple morning practices coming up, 9 a.m. Tuesday, 10 a.m. on Thursday. All right, uh, Mike DeCourcy, we're talking conference realignment on on the other side. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Side. Kevin Aquari here. I think over under win total on the Steelers this year, Jake. Kenny Pickett, year two? Seven and a half. Ooh. Mike DeCourcy going over under seven and a half for your Steelers. Hey, I'm going over on that. I was going to say, I was thinking hovering around double digits. Yeah, probably. Actually, the over under probably in Vegas for them is what, nine and a half? 
Oh, I don't think it's that high. I, I'd have to look it up. I, I was in uh, the Bahamas last year for vacation, and I think it was seven and a half then. And I might have put $20 on that. And, and I may regret only putting $20 on that. <laughs> well, Mike Tomlin, you can surely expect a team that is going to be super competitive. Speaking of competitive, that is probably selling it short, what we've seen from a conference realignment standpoint. Um, Mike, let, let's start here. If you are middle to bottom feeder teams in the Big Ten from a football standpoint, what do you make of the move of Oregon and Washington? Yeah, well, I think that uh, no one who is one of those wants to stay one of those. And there's always the belief that that whoever is in that group can do better. There's all that's that's what sports are about. We can do better. Well, we can we can change that. And sometimes it happens. I mean, it happened uh, irrespective of uh, everything that uh, has become problematic over the last month and a half. Uh, Northwestern did that. Northwestern was way was was not middle at all. I mean, they were legendarily bad for a very long time, and then became a very significant program in the league. So, it is possible to do that. It it it, it did just become significantly more difficult to do that with the addition of Oregon in particular and Washington at its potential. Mike. The, the the way it stands right now, I am under the belief, I'm curious your thoughts, they're going to go two more. And I have a feeling on, on who I think those two are going to be. But let's, let's table that by asking this. The remaining Pac-12 schools, certainly Cal and Stanford have the cachet, academically in particular, to probably have more flexibility. Do all four of those just go Mountain West and we're done with it? Or do Cal and Stanford still get in play, for example, in the Big Ten? Well, I don't think it's out of the question, but I also don't think – I think the difference would, would – look, if, if they were looking for academic power, I mean, I, I'm not saying that the, that the Big Ten doesn't live up to the commitment that when they add somebody, it, it, has, it has a certain academic profile. That's been absolutely true. Uh, but, that, that, but they don't add somebody because of it. I mean, they, they don't look for, they have not ever looked for someone because of that. They've looked for someone because it made their athletic league better. And then, but only, but then that, that someone would only become uh, an attractive target if they also met all the other Big Ten criteria over time. And so they're not going to get in based on that. Or they, or, or that would have been a consideration before. The problem that Stanford and Cal have, and really the entire Pac-12, and I think that's kind of what has been lost over over the conversation and all this. The problem that those schools have, uh, and, and, and but to a lesser extent, the two Southern California schools and Oregon and Washington, is that their followings aren't great. That's that's why they couldn't get. Even with all the tremendous markets they have, think about it. The Big Twelve, the number was around thirty, thirty-one million dollars per school. And I, and and I'll tell you right now, if 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 the Pac-12 had been able to go into the market and get that, every everybody but, but except possibly Colorado would still be in the Pac-12. And if they had the inkling that that's where it was going to end up, they may have stayed too. I think Colorado's got tired of waiting around and sort of figured out this isn't going to happen and let's go ahead and do this now. 
while everybody else waited. They waited and waited and waited and said, okay, what's the number? What's the number? And then the number comes up, and it's like 20-plus whatever you guys can generate. And they looked around, and they said, we don't generate that well. We're not going to get some big number. Like, Lionel Messi's not coming in our league and all of a sudden going to send our number soaring because that's just not the way the Pac-12 has been. Their followings just aren't as passionate as they are in other parts of the country. And that became the problem for them. And that's the problem that exists for Stanford and Cal now. Mike DeCourcy is with us. You see him on Big Ten Network, writes for Sporting News. It's at TSN Mike on Twitter. Um, CBS obviously would have a say, or at least I would assume would have a big, big say in this, Mike. And maybe it's me overreacting. But what should be my fear level on the future of March Madness as we know it? Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's probably, it, it's you, you've got to be alert. Uh, you've got to be aware of the threat. But m- again, most of what's happened, all nearly all of what's happened over realignment over the last now 14, 15 years has been, what can we do to make more money? The people who understand March understand that, This tournament, the way it's formulated, is a magic formula. You could separate it. Like, like think of it as the Beatles, okay? Like, John, Paul, George, and Ringo all did spectacularly well as individual acts. But as the Beatles, they were untouchable by anybody that's ever played. And, And so you can take the tournament and you can make some money playing basketball. But you keep it as it is. And everybody makes more than they could ever possibly imagine making a part. Because that formula is, if the popularity of college basketball generally is X, the popularity of the NCAA tournament is literally like X times five. And you can't just say, well, if we just had the big schools, we'd make so much more money, or at least we'd make as much and we'd keep it for us. Like, as it is now... X times five, break it apart, and you're back at X. Why would you do that? You know, Mike, the, the here's what's interesting to me. I mean, I agree with that, but yet this realignment is almost entirely, and I'm going by people that were somewhat part of some of the movement on it, entirely driven by, yes, money, but in the Big Ten's standpoint, it was football-driven. It was football programs versus basketball programs, which is why, like, for example, even though the Big 12, and I'll give the Big 12 credit, I thought the Big 12, you know, they, they were proactive, but there was a, a, a talk there for a while that the Big 12 was the one going to be the one that, that ended up being the pick through carcass, and Kansas possibly was going to be left out because they were not a football, but rather a basketball school. But because of the constant evolution of this, what stops, and I don't mean, Mike, a year from now, but five to ten years from now, what would stop the UCLA, the USC's, the Michigan's, the Ohio State's from then waking up one day and saying, you know what, let's go one step further. Purdue ain't carrying their weight. Northwestern, I'm tired of subsidizing Northwestern. I'm tired of subsidizing Minnesota. Let's boot them out. Let, let's, let's, let's play hardball. What stops that from happening? Well, I think that, honestly, and this is way above my pay grade, uh, I think 
whatever, what stops that from happening if it would be the nature of the agreement between the schools. And I don't, I don't know what that agreement is. That's why I said above my pay grade. I don't know what the, the language of the charter or the uh, whatever agreements they sign when they, when they add new members. I, I don't have any idea what it says in those documents. So that's where I, I can't say. Um, I know it's not really ever happened. And so I assume that there, that it's either collegiality or there's something in those documents that says it can't happen. Uh, but we, we've not ever seen it happen in any league. And I think, and there's one more component. I, it, it, I'm, I'm, and I'm not, um, I am not picking on any of the people that you mentioned in particular, but if, if indeed there's someone in the league that's not very good, let's say, and I'm not going to pick any particular school. Again, Northwestern at one point was not very good at basketball. They just made the NCAA tournament. one point, it wasn't very good at football. They played in two of the last five or six in, uh, Big Ten championship games. So, but, but you always have – somebody out there has to lose the games. So that's part of it. You have to have somebody to beat. And if you have somebody that – and again, Northwestern doesn't fit this profile anymore – uh, but if there's someone out there that's pretty good at getting beat, that makes them an appealing partner. Are you football uh, knocking on the door right there? The Washington Generals have been added as the Big Ten's 19th team. <laughs> Mike, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back to the March Madness thing. And again, this is my fear speaking, so I apologize yeah. up front. But nope. will there be a time where you've got these ADs or university presidents from these mega conferences and say, you know, screw the SWAC getting an automatic bid. Why don't we, as a bigger brand, get a seat at the tournament table? And now there's 12 teams from our conference in there. Like, financially, how would that look, of course? But do you think that is a possibility that we get to, based off how these mega conferences seem to be controlling everything, where they just push the little guy off the table? Well, that's what I was just talking about, though, Kev. I was talking about... The, the fact that, again, just using simple math, and I'm just, and this is a reality. These are, these are close to real numbers. The popularity of college basketball is X, whatever that X figure represents. The t- popularity of the NCAA tournament as a television product is literally somewhere in the ballpark of X times five. The, the formula of automatic bids and all of that and one versus 16 and all of that makes that tournament worth a fortune. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, as of next year, a $1.1 billion that's going to come to the NCAA, and most of that goes back to the participating schools. $1.1 billion just for three weeks of college basketball. That's a ton of money, and, and it's a very reliable ton of money. Now, there are people in the business, in, in, the, in the television business or the consulting television business who will tell you, that $1.1 billion now that, that, that Mark Emmert agreed to in 2016 and, and the NCAA structure agreed to in 2016 is an undervalue. That this tournament as it's constructed now, if it were able to go into the open market today, would be worth even more than that. So I don't think that, I don't think that that's a, a risk. I think the risk, really, the biggest risk, is in big, bigger conferences uh, and uh, this was particularly true of the SEC a year ago, as the SEC grew to 16, saying, "Are there going to be enough bids for all of us for all of our good teams?" Well, let's get just let's just have more bids. Let's make it 72. 
okay, more bids, or or what that committee, the Division One's uh, transformation committee said, which was twenty five percent of your participating membership, which in basketball, men's basketball, is more than ninety teams, and so the mathematical, uh, uh, the structural uh, circumstance would say ninety six. That's the risk. And it's a terrible risk because it not only ruins the X times five, it ruins the X. Because I, 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 you guys know I, I do the brackets for Fox Sports. So I know what's on both sides of that line between 68 and 69. I know what's on both sides of that line. And believe me, there are not qualified tournament teams on the other side of that line. There are not teams that are going to make it richer. And what you do is, if you make it easier to get in, then what happens is that the already somewhat problematic popularity of the regular season, a lot of people in your business who, who, who do national work and who don't work in a market where college basketball is extraordinarily valued, don't even pay attention to basketball until March. Don't even pay attention to the NCAA, to NCAA basketball until March. And they say, ah, it's a one-month sport. Well, if you take it to 96, you're telling them they're right. Because 96 says anybody that can dribble the ball three times without bouncing it off their foot, totally they're agree. a tournament team. And here's the thing, Mike. The numbers would tell you Notre that. Notre Dame might have got in last year. It's, the final fours need – Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, Kansas, because the ratings would tell you that it's when the Blue Bloods are in there that the ratings go up. Yes. But the but round one needs Northwestern State and Northern Iowa, and you know, I mean, the the drama of it that that makes it what it is. I mean, it's it's absolutely the greatest. By the way, Mike, uh, Steelers over under is eight and a half in Vegas, which means they are uh, predicted. And I'm a Steelers fan growing up. I was a Steelers fan as well. Uh, Five hundred team, baby. Right there in the middle. <laughs> Can't go 500 anymore, Jake. I know. It's well, you not, know, it's, it's so if you, impossible. here's the thing. If if the over-under is eight and a half and they go eight, eight, and one, is that a push? That's an under. Yeah, I think it, I think it is. I think it is. I think it should be a push. You got a half a win in there. Isn't it eight and a half? <laughs> Come on, man. I don't know. Eight and a half you wins. See, I think it's just like far left column. Mike, you know me. I'm the eternal optimist, man. I mean, people tell me I just I just ooze and radiate sunshine everywhere I walk because I'm such an, a positive outlook guy. You need one of those uh, bookmaking people in here to tell you whether or not that's a push because I don't know the answer to that either. I don't know what's in the document, and I don't know whether a tie uh, on the over and under counts as a push. That's right. Send you back to the Bahamas, Mike, for some education <laughs> on that well, front. Uh, great stuff, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. It's Mike DeCourse right there on some conference realignment chatter on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We will round out the show with a pop quiz. Again, it is a four-pack of tickets to the State Fair. We'll do that next. 317-239-1070. All right. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Kevin, give us a number. Uh, let's go with yesterday's practice number eight. Let's go with number eight. Kyle. Kyle? Yep. Yep, that's me. <laughs> Kyle's ready to go. <laughs> Kyle, congrats on the four pack to the state fair, and I love your energy on this Monday morning. All right, we'll see what uh, let's see what we can do. Hopefully, I'm better than the guys uh, last couple couple times we've done that. I like that, Kyle. Kyle knows what he's talking about. Major League Baseball teams compare themselves to the A's right now. So, Kyle, when you're at the fair, what's the one food item you're going to get, and what's the one game that you'll play? Oh, uh, I'll probably get an elephant ear or like three or four, and then uh, let's see, uh, game. I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't been for probably four or five years, so I don't even know what, what game's there. Kyle's confidence, I think, is like going to lead to a, a strong pop quiz. Jake, go ahead and lead off number one. All right, here you go, Kyle. The Colts travel to Buffalo for their preseason opener with the Bills on Saturday. The Colts and Bills were members of the AFC East, of course, when the AFL-NFL merger began in 1970 until divisional realignment in 2002. Uh, who won the first regular season meeting between the Colts and Bills all the way back in 1970? Was it A, the Colts, B, the Bills, or C, neither one they tied? Uh, let's go with the Colts. It's kind of like the season opener last year, right, Jake? For the Colts? That's right. That's right. What's your final answer, Kyle? What, you let's said win, loss, goal. or tie? Let's do, uh, let's do a lo- uh, tie, sorry. Okay, tie. Okay, uh, on this day in 1995, the second Brickyard 400 took place at IMS. Who won the second Brickyard 400, which was delayed to late in the afternoon by the remnants of Hurricane Aaron? Was it A, Jeff Gordon, B, Dale Earnhardt Sr., C, Dale Jarrett, or D, Ricky Rudd? I think it was Dale Earnhardt Sr. Okay, question number three for you, Kyle. In 1995, which was the second year for the Brickyard, two former Indy 500 competitors failed to qualify. One was A.J. Foyt, who did run in the inaugural race. The other was a former Indy 500 pole winner. Who actually, I think, drove a Hardy's car and flew it upside down at one point. Uh, and never actually raced in the Brickyard. Was it Danny Sullivan, Tom Sneva, Poncho Carter, or Scott Pruitt? Uh, Scott Pruitt. Number four here, Kyle. Uh, happy 88th birthday to Lee Corso. Corso pit, spent 10 seasons at IU, recording the third most wins in program history, while going 41-68-2. and two. IU was Corso's second stop as a head coach. Name the school that gave him his first job as a head coach in college football. These two schools will play at Lucas Oil Stadium coming up next month. Northern Illinois, Navy, Maryland, or Louisville? Louisville. All right, last question for you, Kyle. You're doing well, by the way. Stepping stone to IU? Kind of crazy. The U.S. women's national soccer team was eliminated from the Women's World Cup by Sweden yesterday. The United States won the last two Women's World Cup titles. Name the team that is the last to win the Women's World Cup before the United States. Japan, Norway, Germany, or Brazil? Brazil. The U.S. would have won. I like how Kyle just went right with it. Like, no, just like... 
Um, yesterday when we woke up early, Rosie, you know, we turned on the game. Rosie wanted to cheer for the yellow team. Yeah, okay. You know, yellow team versus the white team there yesterday. And judging by social media, there were quite a few people. Sounds like uh, you grew cheering there in the household. Cheering for the yellow team. Well, no, strictly just based off colors of jerseys there mm-hmm. on that end. Um, good start for Kyle. He got the uh, first see, uh, grit, two right. A tie for the Colts and Bills. Dale Earnhardt Sr. And Jake, if I'm not mistaken, three and five were the slip-ups? Yeah, question number three. He went with Scott Pruitt. A solid guess. Uh, Pancho Carter was the 1985 pole sitter for the Indianapolis 500-mile race. And did not qualify for the 95 Brickyard 400. Uh, Japan, by the way, was question number five. They defeated the United States on penalty kicks in 2011. Louisville was correct. He was 28-11. Uh, 28-11 and three in four seasons with the Cardinals was Lee Corso. Boy, I, I will say this. Watching those penalty kicks, I mean, you talk about some drama. Oh, yeah. I mean... The walk-ups and the goalies trying to distract them. And, you know, it, it's... It's like, you know, walking in between a golf shot, but much, much more intense because you literally, you miss and you're in. Um, yeah. Scotty, would you say that Lee Corso's defining moment as the head coach at Indiana was finding out he was fired while at an alumni event in Fort Wayne or having the entire team take the photo um, during the Michigan game when they were ahead in the first quarter or whatever it was? I think it was Nebraska. Was it Nebraska? I thought it was... He had him take a team photo in front of the scoreboard. How great is that? <laughs> Beautiful. I, I uh, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable career. College game day um, icon. It's time for Lee to hang it up, though. I, I agree. I, I mean, huge respect to Lee Corso. Not Happy only birthday, is, just all of it, right? Eighty-eight-year-old Lee Corso, but it, it is. You would think. I mean, it, it, it. I hate to say this. At times, it's kind of uncomfortable to watch him now on ESPN. Herb Street, like almost is like the translator. Yeah. For him at times. And, and Kirk Herb Street, God bless him. He does a great job of of kind of the patience of working with him. But I mean, at this point, I thought that's honestly why McAfee was brought in to obviously kind of transition that, and that so far has not happened. I guess he's back. He's scheduled to be back this year, right? Yeah, he is. Uh, two weeks from Saturday. College football kicks off Notre Dame and Navy in Dublin to get things underway in the college football season tomorrow for the game. at Colts camp. Rick Venturi, he's going to join us. We'll be back there. Practice number nine for the Colts. Looking forward. Stop by our tent, northwest part of the field. We'll chat with you tomorrow from Westfield. Kevin and Corey signing off.